Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, is a podcast that discusses sex, intimate and sexual situations, sexualized anatomy, alcohol, and substance use. Naughty language will be used. We recommend listeners be 18 or older, as some content will not be suitable for younger listeners. Individual episodes may contain additional content warnings. Please refer to these at the start of each episode to keep yourself safe. Most importantly, have fun and enjoy. Welcome to Wham, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am, the smuttiest, sluttiest podcast this side of literary analysis. I'm Corinne, and I'm here because I studied uh, media and writing in college, as well as also just being an incredible nerd into fandom. Roxy, why are you here? I ask myself that every day, Corinne. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my name is Roxy. I'm a mental health professional and a avid reader of romance novels here to represent the romance novel community. Still don't know why I'm here. I mean, yeah, to represent, but the more books we read, the more I go down the the rabbit hole and I'm still recovering from Shrek, but hi. (laughs) We're all still recovering from Shrek, every single one of us. But Andy, why are you here? That's sigh. (laughs) You know, I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I brought us spoiler alert I brought a Shrek why am I here why have I not been voted off the island is that still a topical joke to make uh I know sure. that there's a new naked and afraid thing where you're not voted off you have like a survival score like oh, yeah. your survivor survivor score might have lowered oh, yeah. uh, so but you, you haven't been kicked off yet no yeah okay cool 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 <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Sick. <laughs> uh, I'm here because I spent most of my formative years reading fan fiction before I probably should have been. So I have been in the realm of fandom for longer than I've been out of it. Sounds like a prison sentence. <laughs> I've done so many years. I'll never be free. I oh, started no, my days before even fanfiction.net were a thing. Sounds like an old-timey, like, prospector. <laughs> like, prospector, whatever that word is. They're dead. <laughs> Prisoner instead of, like, a modern one, you know? There hasn't been a fanfiction here in 25 years. All of them are dead now. <laughs> oh, my God. I am stone cold sober. <laughs> Me no, too. No, yeah, we're just like this. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't yeah. drank anything yet at all. I'm hydrated, medicated. I have no excuse. <laughs> Must be fucking nice. I, I had a nice, <laughs> relaxing morning playing Darkest Dungeon too. So you know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a relaxing game. <laughs> it's relaxing for me. I I like the torment. <laughs> oh well, you are a DM, so that makes. Listen, I play. I sometimes get in a thing where one of my favorite relaxing games is this War of Mine. So I understand. I love this War of Mine. It this is my favorite game. It's so good. <laughs> why are you enjoying war, and I'm, why is it yours? I'm not. I am enjoying having to think on my feet. Um, Psyche, if you've never played this War of Mine, you need to play it. It's really good. It's, it's really good depressing but it's good what is wrong with you <laughs> maybe maybe i'll stream it and then cry <laughs> you are literally the person to tell us what's wrong with us yeah uh what's these are us? my off hours 
have to contact my receptionist to get a meeting. <laughs> this is my receptionist. For those at home, I'm holding up a glass of alcohol that I'm sipping now. Oh, first drink. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mm. waited to swallow until until you all did. Because <laughs> um. I took a sip as soon as you said that, so I just held it in my mouth until it was time. You know, I and that's, we're not that sentence out of context. That is what she said. To swallow. Yeah. It's nice. Okay. Speaking of swallowing, I... Yeah? Before we delve, shut up. Before we delve too far into this book, I wanna, I wanna mention something I hated. Why did they spell "come" wrong throughout the whole book? I understand England and the U.S. have differences in how we spell things, but like we put a U in there, and the way they spelled it in this book had an O, like "come hither." And every time I read it, I just. Am I the only one? I I think okay. it definitely was okay. a regional no. thing. Um, no, it's fine. I'm it's used fine. to fanfic, it's... and that's how they that's how they spell it. So well, it needs a U in there. They're wrong. <laughs> USA, <laughs> USA. Right. The U stands for the U and come. Actually, Canada, United States, Mexico, come. Yeah, mom, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> Mama Starshine, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Don't don't engage with her. I love her. We haven't even started talking about the book yet, but I want to yeah, ask, is the title of this episode, Canada, United States, Mexico, in parentheses, C-U-M? Um, I mean, it's better than see you next Tuesday. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is what is this book, Corinne? Help, help I'll us. tell you about this book. Yeah, For us. our sixth episode, we are covering Second Chance by Jay Northcote. Nate and his teenage daughter need a fresh start, so they move back to the village where he grew up. Nate's transgender and not used to disclosing his history, so it's hard living where people knew him before. When Nate reconnects with Jack, his best friend from school and unrequited crush, his feelings return as strong as ever. Jack's returned home to get his life in order after an addiction to alcohol caused him to lose everything, his job, his driver's license, and nearly his life. He's living with his parents, which is less than ideal, but rekindling his friendship with Nate or Nat, as Jack once knew him, is an unexpected benefit of being back home. Jack is amazed by Nate's transformation and can't deny his attraction. Trying for more than friendship might ruin what they already have, but the chemistry between them is undeniable. Doubting his feelings are reciprocated, Nate fears he is risking heartbreak. Jack's reluctance to tell his parents about the relationship only reinforces Nate's misgivings. With both their hearts on the line and their happiness at stake, Jack needs to make things right and Nate has to be prepared to give him a second chance. Nerds. Oh my god. <laughs> Content warnings for second chance are as follows. Discussions and representations of alcoholism, past verbal and emotional abuse from an alcoholic parent, prior death of a parent and the resulting grief, discussions and representations of depression, recreational drug and alcohol use by teens, brief slash quickly corrected dead naming and misgendering transphobia and ignorance of trans issues from side characters, brief mentions of past self-harm, mentions of past homophobia, a drink is spiked and the drinker ends up in the hospital. In case you're new to the show, we've all read this book, taken notes, and highlighted some of the spiciest sections. We'll be discussing the story and sexy bits, comparing it to romance and smut fiction, with similar themes, setting, tropes, etc., while enjoying the signature drink of the episode. 
Today's signature drink is Bramble with Benefits. You can find the recipe and instructions for the cocktail and mocktail versions of this drink in our Discord and on our social media, WBTYM Pod, basically any place you look. Stick around till the very end for a tingling tingler where we read a segment from National Treasure, Chuck Tingle. Now, on to discussing the book, mams. Okay. I'm gonna say it. I feel like we would have loved any book that came after the one we've read before. There's a lot of uh, truth to that, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, unless we somehow read something worse. I bind that in the name <laughs> of Jesus. <laughs> Uh, and before we go into the book, I do want to say something I realized about Shrek, um, that originally I just said in like our group DMs, but Corinne over here was like, no, we need to record this. Um, it's not in the previous episode because I forgot to say it, but while I was reading the Shrek disaster... <laughs> The, the Shrek, I, Shrek, the Shrek catastrophe, Shrek <laughs> It's in there somewhere. The portmanteau is there. Here. <laughs> um, as I was reading it, I looked up at my ceiling at like two a.m. and I realized, city girl, city boyfriend goes back to her roots, falls in love with swamp country boy, lives simpler life, and is happy. It's a fucking Hallmark movie for monster fuckers, and I'm so mad. I'm so mad I didn't mention it in the previous episode, but you know it to be true in your heart. It is true. It is a Hallmark movie for monster fuckers. <laughs> and even even that says something about the quality. We all know the quality of a Hallmark movie. Like... Like five blonde white people complaining and talking about Christmas and then not even fucking just like <laughs> kissing gently in front of grandpa smiling at you. <laughs> oh, this is just making me have like flashbacks to that's a Christmas for, uh, to me. If anyone's familiar with that. <laughs> but but anyway, before before we get into this episode, had to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Had to put it in recording. Um. So Second Chance, completely different, complete whiplash, tonal change from what we previously covered. This was, I dare say, like a a kind story, like a kind, gentle slice of life, realistic, could happen, real dialogue, awkward moments and conversations. Like, it was like leaving a room that was like, super heavy with perfume and smells and then going outside for fresh air (laughs) it it was definitely a breath of fresh air like comparatively speaking the last two books we've read like this book really didn't have any of the same issues of those last two books we're really starting from like a just an empty room of feeling okay again and uh i have to give it to to jay northcote like the dialogue in this book, the like human interactions in this book are all pretty real. Like I definitely yeah. really appreciated how relatable a lot of this stuff was. Like as I was reading, there'd be moments like, especially not to jump too far ahead, but like when the two are having sex, like the fact that there's like laughter and explanations and like, yeah. like it's not perfect. It, it's real. It feels very real. And I thought that was super nice. 
Yeah. And I want I want you to know in my notes I even wrote Andy would love this. They showered before anal stuff. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. my god. <laughs> Four. That's how you're supposed to do it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> this is a safe place, Andy. Listen, it's just gross. It's just gross. <laughs> like do what you want to do. But prepare first. Yeah. It's just not my bag, okay? <laughs> but yeah, in this book, they actually, you know, prepare. They have very safe sex. They, like, make good decisions. Like, there's there's some bad decisions, of course. But it, because there has to be conflict in the book. However, I don't know. It was just a really nice change of pace from the books we've read previously. Yeah. Uh, and I will say all of the characters felt believable. No one was like cartoonishly villainous. <laughs> no one was perfect or amazing or glamorous. They were all just very real people. And I just wasn't expecting that. You know, I wasn't expecting such a just sweet, but psychologically very real telling. It's just a book that it's it's real enough that it makes it's just soft i don't know how to explain it it's just a nice soft hug it is it is like kind of being hugged like i would i was reading this book and i got through it pretty quickly but like every time i would step away from reading i'd be like i just feel nice you know like i feel good reading this book it, it's making me feel warm and cozy and like i'm in the english countryside you know, reconnecting with my lost love, you know? It made me think of the holiday. I could see that. I could see that. I I personally, like, I describe this book as middling to Psyche, to Roxy, but honestly, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it, it, it just felt like, you know, it, it reminded me of the holiday. It made me want even more to live in Britain. <laughs> Which, I know it's not the best place, but, like, it's not here. Well, to be in a village, in a countryside, yeah. and being able to walk among the, the, the mossy fields and the fog. I'm, I'm a, you know, I like, I like shit like that. I'm such a sucker for, like, Victorian fog, gloom. Uh, this book so gave that. off like cottage core aesthetic as like a feeling and yeah. I love cottage core so it 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 did it felt comfy it felt cozy it felt like you were just stepping into this world that's just right beside our own it's nothing groundbreaking it's it's you know this story isn't breaking my brain in any way good or bad but it's just there, and I go back it to it. Pleasant. It was present, and it gave yeah. me a hug, and and then I went on my way. You know, I I think I'll remember this book very fondly, but I I don't yeah. know, and I'll recommend it to people. I think I'm sure, but it's not. I'm not going to be like you have to read this book. It'll be you should read this book if you're looking for something cozy that's going to give you a hug. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good. It it's a good feeling. Yeah. Good feeling book, even though it's one that you would expect like a lot of heartbreaking stuff but no they handle everything with grace and life goes on and it's a beautiful message so with that being said are we ready to begin we are let us dive in we start with this guy nate who is a trans man 
And before I go any further, I want you to know the author himself is a trans man. And as you read, oh my God, you can tell. You can tell he's experienced this very similar themes throughout the book. Uh, he's very knowledgeable about, well, probably even his own experiences or experiences in the community. Jay did a very good job. Um, and you can tell, you can tell this is written by a trans man. And if you ever have any questions, look for authors that have these experiences. And you can, if you are cisgender yourself, like I am, it can be very eye-opening for you. Nate is a trans man in his 40s. I uh, love that. Love interest. Oh my God, you know. And I, I love that we were seeing an elder queer finding love. Yeah. yeah. Which it's sad to say that being in your 40s is elder, but that's because a whole generation of yeah. queer folk were wiped out by the AIDS pandemic. And so being 40 means you're up there. <laughs> yep. And, yep. And unless you want to have just a really bad day, don't look at the statistics. Yeah. Don't look at the statistics on the life expectancy of trans people. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking tragic. Yeah. 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 So it was and great to see that Nate was older and what? actually transitioned later in life, which was nice. It was. Mm-hmm. So he returns to his, you know, family home, his, his village, his town. His father has passed away. And they talk a lot about how abusive his father was, which is just heartbreaking, but a reality for a lot of folks. He's gone back. The funerals happened. He's experienced some stuff with his teenage daughter who has been in and out of the hospital for like drug relapses, all sorts of things. And he's moving them back home to be with his mom, first of all, because now she's alone and she's older and to try and give his daughter a new life away from her old surroundings and this is where we start the scene and where he the first chapter is so intriguing to me because they meet in like a cemetery yeah they meet in a graveyard and the very first line of the book is the chill seeped into nate's bones as he stood motionless in the churchyard hands in his pockets he braced his shoulder against the bitter wind that swept unchecked from the Severn Estuary. He shivered as he stared at the inscription on his father's headstone. Jonathan Harris, 1943 to 2013. It, it kind of explains that his father's life was cut short due to alcoholism, and that was where the abuse stemmed from as well. You know, when he was younger, probably before his dad was an addict, life was better. They had a good relationship. He has fond memories of playing with his father when he was young. And then his father fell into alcoholism, and it got worse and there would be times where it was good, but the alcohol was always there and it was present yeah. and it, yeah. it led to uh, emotional. And I'm not sure if there was physical abuse. I can't remember, but I know there was like emotional and verbal abuse. Yes, um, very much emotional and verbal, which folks, sorry, going to put my therapist hat back on. If anyone ever tries to downplay your abuse because it wasn't physical, I want you to tell them that someone who has a bachelor's, a master's, and an EDS is telling you emotional abuse affects the brain so intensely. We can, we, can, we can tell, like, it's not just words thrown at you. It is something that does impact you and alter you. So don't ever let anyone take away, don't ever let anyone invalidate your experience. He, Nate, even though it wasn't physical, 
did undergo awful abuse from his father. And there is a lot of coming to terms with a parent that has died that has hurt you so strongly. And that's that's how we we start the book, folks. He's he's in the cemetery and he sees this man there. Oh, I've got this highlighted. A hint of cigarette smoke carried on the wind caught Nate's attention, and he realized he wasn't alone. A hunched figure sat on a bench by the church, wearing a heavy coat with the hood up. Their head hung low, staring at the grass between their feet, rather than at the landscape stretched out before them. A cigarette hung from bony fingers that protruded from black fingerless gloves. As Nate watched the man, because Nate could see his face now, raised his head to take a long drag before stubbing the cigarette out on the bench. A shock of recognition made Nate's heart jump, thudding erratically. Jack. Ooh, and we learn that is actually Nate's friend from high school who does not recognize him as he had not transitioned yet. As Pixie said, he transitioned later in life. And he, he kept that life very separate, as was his right, you know, to, to start over again in another city if he wanted to. So, so, Nate is confronted by his previous very close best friend, who apparently he had a crush on for all of high school. An um, unrequited crush. Yeah. Where it unrequited. was, like, so obvious to, like, even Nate's mother that he had a crush on Jack. But Jack never put it together. Um, not, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Like, there was a few times where he was like, maybe? And then in those memories, he'd be like, nah. <laughs> because Jack is a gay man. Yes. And, yep. And before transition, obviously, Nate would not have... He was Nate, but you know what I'm trying to say. And so he probably was so out of his realm of, like, romantic options that it was just like... No. No. Yeah, Andy Andy is very correct. Jack is a gay man. So so there was a huge disconnect when they were in high school. And Nate is like, oh shit, do I say something? Uh <laughs> do I treat him like a stranger? And this I did call him a pigeon a few times, Pixie. I want you <laughs> no, to No, I call I, you... <laughs> I called them both pigeons a few times. Uh because they deserved it, but yeah, yeah, not dragon queen level. No. They're not dragon pigeons, no. but they're British pigeons. Yeah, there's some uh, fancy pigeons sitting by tea. <laughs> I just they got a monocle. I just finished the pigeon drawing. Do not make me make it a dragon pigeon. I will cry. <laughs> what if we made you just add a monocle so that there's like a difference? <laughs> That's so easy. I can do that. Listen, like just add a little fire, a few scales. I don't oh ask God. for much. The but anyway. look Andy has on her face right now. <laughs> I remember this. I'm kidding. Yeah, beat me up. No, Andy we'll will fight. remember this. <laughs> little warning at the top of the screen. <laughs> oh no! Now one but of now you... entering a PvP zone, <laughs> and then one of you's gonna die at the end because Andy remembered this. <laughs> Gotta go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> we have to change the future. Uh, but anyway, Nate decides to, he's like, I'm not going to see him forever. I'm I'm mourning my dad in a complicated way. I'm just going to go. 
So, so they don't really talk a lot. Jack flirts with him a bit, but nothing comes of it. Until these, <laughs> until this dumbass goes to the grocery store. <laughs> Nate goes to the grocery store with his mom and they live in a village. They live in a small town in Britain. And <laughs> of course he runs into Jack again. Jack sees Nate with his mom and puts two and two together and goes, holy shit, wait. <laughs> his two brain cells bump into each other accidentally. Uh, yes, he, he has that um, that moment of, oh, what? <laughs> the mass meme. Yeah. Like, um, I actually. He has been on, uh, he's been on testosterone for five years at this point, too. So, so like he's got the stubble, he's he's got the swagger, you know, manly man. And Jack is just like, holy shit! Wait a second, you're my bestie. And I actually have that here. Nat, he whispered, almost afraid to ask the question in case he was horrifyingly, embarrassingly wrong. But what other explanation could there be for this man standing in front of him? He could be Nat's brother, if Nat had ever had a brother. But she was an only child, like Jack. Is that you? Nat. Nate nodded, the flush draining from his face, leaving him ghostly pale. He set his jaw, head held high, as he answered in his deep, unmistakably masculine voice. I'm Nate now, though. Jack had no idea what to say. Life hadn't prepared him for this. He'd met a few trans people before, of course, but never someone he'd known before their transition. Never someone who had been such a significant part of his life. Although, he very quickly adjusts to the fact that Nat is Nate and... It's Nate now. As soon as they, they part ways, Jack turns to his mom. As soon as they were out of earshot, Jack turned to his mom and said, Why on earth didn't you tell me about Nat? Nate, I mean, you must have known. I didn't, she replied. Believe me, I would have mentioned if, I, if I'd known. I didn't know she had a daughter either. He, Jack corrected her automatically. He knew enough to know how much pronouns mattered. Nate's a he now. That might take a bit of getting used to, his mom frowned, but I didn't know anything about it. You know, I don't socialize much locally. I rarely hear any gossip. Last I knew, Nat was living in London, and she hardly ever came home. And then the last Jack says is, yeah, that's last I knew too, because Nate had stopped getting in contact with Jack. And we learn the exact reason later. And then one last little thing here from this meeting. They meet up again in the parking lot. And they're alone this time. Their parents aren't there. It makes it much less awkward. They're able to actually talk to each other. Hello again, Jack said. Nate gave him a nervous smile and stopped in front of him, the trolley between them like a shield. Look, Jack, I'm sorry I didn't tell you who I was when we met in the churchyard the other day. I wasn't sure how to bring it up, but I probably should have done. There's no need to apologize. Jack could see why Nate hadn't disclosed who he is, who he was, but he felt foolish for not seeing it himself. I can't believe I didn't recognize you. I mean... You obviously look very different in some ways, but not in others. If I'd paid more attention, I might have seen it. I think I was too wrapped up in my own problems that day. That's kind of when we start to learn a little bit more about what's going on with Jack. If anyone wants to talk about what's happening with Jack. I can. Go for it. So Jack is, we kind of mentioned it whenever we were introing the episode, but Jack is a recovering alcoholic who got out of a, a relationship with a guy and essentially had a breakdown but that cost him his driver's license it cost him pretty much his whole life essentially so he's back living at home with his parents and he has cut out alcohol completely 
when we meet him, he's actually waiting for the the few week period while you're waiting for your anxiety and depression meds to kick in. That's where he's at. And he's just like, oh my God. So that's where Jack comes in at. Yeah, and we, we discover that his life kind of all crumbling at once is why he has moved back into his parents as well. It's very different parallels, very different scenarios that have landed them both back in the town they grew up in. And it's really fascinating to see. I really... I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I loved how candid he was. Yeah, I <laughs> like I liked that he was just like, yeah, no, I fucked up my life. Um, I'm trying to fix it, but it's hard. And... They, they don't really tell you, I mean, they do tell you, but you don't realize how real it is that these depression and anxiety meds, like, they kind of make you feel like shit before you feel better. And I, th- I don't think I'd ever, like, heard that really, like, talked about in a book before about, you know, when you're adjusting to depression and anxiety meds, sometimes you feel significantly worse. I mean, it's always, like, if you start feeling suicidal, talk to your doctor as soon as possible. But, like, you know, a lot of times it just takes a while for that brain chemistry to level itself and- out. And I think he did a very good job portraying human emotion in this scene because we we also learned that he is recovering from his addiction with alcohol. A lot of addicts I have spoken with, a lot of ones I've talked to, straight up they'll tell you. As soon as they meet you, they will tell you what is going on. And at first, some folks may be taken aback by it. Uh, It's not something we often talk about in polite society or whatever. But after going through that journey and those struggles, they usually are at the point where you just lay it all out on the table, especially since a part of the recovery process for any real type of addiction, you know, drugs, alcohol, etc., is admitting to yourself what you are, what you're going through, and also making amends and talking to other people in your surroundings and your life. Uh, so him just being upfront and candid, very in line, very genuine, real interaction in a parking lot <laughs> that can't be seen as very surreal, but an actual thing that happens. And I think other mental health professionals will back me up on this. It was very nice to see. It wasn't some secret that was revealed chapters later. Yeah. Well, he's, he's staring off into a window that rains and he's like, don't you know about my past? Now, tell him in the parking lot. Exactly. <laughs> Before things get serious. Yeah. And there's so much of that in this book. Just when things come up, they're like, yeah, yep, here it is. Yeah. And I also feel like that's another sign of like also having older main characters in love. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I got a kid now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. Yeah, I get heartburn. Oh, I can't fuck like I used to, you know? Like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was really nice to read about characters that were older than me instead of younger than me. <laughs> yeah. It was I, a nice change of pace. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just appreciated kind of going off what Roxy said, just the very earnest nature of it, because I immediately upon meeting you will joke about my trauma. Like, it's just... Yeah, you will. I when will. I met you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, I don't even remember what I said, but it was probably foul. Because <laughs> I know myself. So, like, it's very real to have that conversation in the liminal space of a grocery store parking lot of, like, hey, this is what's going on with me. How have you been? You know? Oh, my Um, God. And I liked a lot, basically, when Jack gets home. 
he has to have that conversation with his parents where his dad says this. I don't understand it, his father said. I don't understand why anyone would do what these people do. Nobody's perfectly happy with their bodies, but we don't all need to cut bits off or add new bits. I know they're unhappy, but it's so extreme. And then Jack. I don't think you can understand it unless it applies to you, Jack said. You don't understand why I fancy men instead of women. You couldn't imagine feeling the same as me. You just had to learn to accept it. This is the same. Although sometimes Jack thought they never really accepted his sexuality. They just stopped discussing it. God, that's such a good paragraph. That's so good. That's yeah. such a good paragraph. That's such a very real conversation people have. Um, the assumption that transitioning requires medical intervention, you know, instead of just identity. The the assumption of it being something you do to yourself instead of someone who you are. Yeah. Oh. It was such a small paragraph, and yet it said so much about these kind of conversations that you have to have with people that people will essentially force on you because they don't understand and they don't really need to understand. They just need to accept it. It's great if they can understand, but like at the end of the day, it's more just that you accept it. It's not your life. Let people be happy and be who they are. Also, I will say, speaking of letting people be happy and who they are, At the very beginning where they first meet and he's telling, Jack is telling Nate all about his, you know, mental health journey. Uh, Nate mentions that he also was going through a bit of a hard time. And then he realizes, I can't really tell Jack what I did to get better because I transitioned. And it was like a fog lifted, you know, it was like I could finally live my life. But Jack is obviously cisgender and he's going through a very different thing. And I will say, as someone who has had trans friends, who has had trans clients, we call transgender healthcare life-saving because it gives people their lives back. And you, there is a marked difference in who they were before and who they are after. And it's a beautiful thing to see. If you ever have questions, if you ever don't understand something, Make a trans friend. Get to know someone. Don't be scared of the unknown. Just talk to them. And it's it's amazing the journey they've been through from a professional standpoint and from a friend standpoint. I highly encourage you all to. Sorry, going on a little rant. <laughs> no, you're okay. Um, on, on that one out of the dumpster like I did. <laughs> on that page, like on, on that same sentiment, kind of the very last thought that Jack has in this little segment about Nate transitioning is it must have taken a lot of courage yep to to take those steps to become who he truly was to to uh, approach all the people in his life and say no this is who I am when we can tell that's something that Jack struggles with his parents don't really accept him as a gay man even though he is out and proud as he says multiple times in the book in a way, he he also didn't like coming back to his hometown because all the expectations were back. Having to tell everyone again, you know, having to have all those eyes on you that know who you used to be, you know, when you weren't out and proud, when people didn't know. Or, in Nate's case, where you were an entirely different person to them, you know. And I just, I like that. It must have taken a lot of courage. Because I think it definitely does to to step up and do that for yourself and to 
take those steps to make sure that you're being your true authentic self. I'm just going to be very forthcoming. I struggled with the sexual bits of this book. Um, <laughs> For a second. <laughs> I'm good. she was drinking. <laughs> because I killed my friend while I was talking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start that over again if you want to mark that down. Or no, I wanted to stay in <laughs> I had some liquid go to other tube, and I don't know. It was just completely normal. <laughs> All right, I'm good now. You can continue. Okay, okay, okay. Continue. I I have talked about this some on the podcast, but I have a transgender kid that I have taken in, and I love them very much. They are, as much as I pick on them, a very good person, a very good kid. And I will say we live in kind of an unsafe area, unfortunately, for them to exist in. And it kills me how much of, and I'm not going to get too political, but how much of the current state of the world against trans people is just from a lack of understanding and a lack of just having a God's honest con- like conversation. It is brave to step out and do what you need to do for yourself. But I have seen my kid grow so much since they've started this process and I'm so fucking proud of them and I hope we cut this part out because I don't want them to know that I'm proud of them <laughs> keep it in keep it in now no. it's gotta stay in fuck you Coda so- <laughs> <laughs> maybe cut that part out um, <laughs> so I will say things progress they start texting they exchange numbers in the parking lot And I will agree with Andy. I did have a few issues with the sexual parts because they happen very fast. It felt not forced, but it felt like there could have been a few chapters in between because you talk a lot about the different traumas they've been through. You talk about the shared history and past that they have. You, you find out Nate has, you know, always loved Jack unrequitedly. Um, I don't know if that's a word, but I've invented it. I think it uh, is. <laughs> okay, okay. He's He's got a kid. Uh, her name is Cass. She's 16 years old. She's recovering from so much stuff. He's got a lot on his plate. His dad has just died. It just feels very sudden. Um, And they decide to go into a friends with benefits type situation after feeling a spark together. I I like how the sex scenes are handled in that I, as someone who has studied lots of stuff involving like transgender individuals, I thought, you know, oh, I've heard everything. I've, I've tried very hard to be educated. I've tried very hard to be as knowledgeable as a cisgender woman can be. However, I learned stuff. I didn't know that there were certain like tools and things you could utilize. I knew about terminology that could help, you know, combat dysphoria, but I learned stuff. So I, I actually did enjoy that about the sex scenes, but they, I don't, I don't know what your opinion is, Andy, but I didn't like how rushed it was. So the reason I struggled with the sex scenes is because I'm, I'm raising or I'm helping to finish raising a, you know, female to, to, you know, not FTM, gender is complex and doesn't exist. Um, but, you know, I was just kind of like, I struggled with some of the, like, I don't know how to express this. I was just kind of like, I know someone like that. And like, good for them for getting, good for, good for Nate for getting in there and getting it. 
but I I was like my brain kept trying like was like <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if it's coming through what I'm trying to say. If I'm understanding you correctly, it felt too personal. Um, yeah. Like you were you were unfortunately imagining your your adopted child, and I in, was trying not to. And you were trying not to desperately, but your brain kept being like similar, similar, and you were like, no, stop it, brain. Yeah. I don't want to think about that I, right now. I'm so sorry, yeah. Andy. I luckily have been blessed to know some very attractive trans men that I'm not, you know, related to yeah. emotionally or uh, physically. So thankfully I didn't have that connect when is, reading. I, is, like, I feel fucking creepy. I just was kind of like... <laughs> Mm. It's like if you read a story and it's got the name of like your your sibling. Yes. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh well, I'm done. Like, I can't get into it. Yeah, I can't yeah. Read this. Yeah, it, it's. I could definitely see that. Like, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Um, I guess the only so my siblings' names are Angela, Alphonse, and Eric. Angela, you could maybe find in a book. Eric, you're definitely going to find in a book, so that's going to happen someday. But Elphonse. Full metal alchemist. Full metal alchemist. <laughs> so I think I'm I'm at least safe for, from one brother uh, having that experience. But <laughs> Eric, it'll probably happen. I, I, I know a lot of Eric's, though, so at least I can transfer it to other Eric's. Like, if, yeah, there, I, if there's um, ever an Elphonse in a book, I'm going to have to nope out because I only know the ones related to me, which is my brother and my uncle and it being the middle name of every goddamn guy in my family, like. <laughs> Thankfully, most of the men in my family have very distinct Middle Eastern names, so I rarely run across them. In well, in Alphonse, snow. not very common. It's a very Italian name if it's spelled with a PH, or it could be a very, like, German or French name if spelled with an F, but, like. It's not very common, um, but if it shows up in a book, I might be doping out. Uh, if it, the main love interest is Alphonse, I uh, nope. Uh, I, yeah, I hope that's not horrible. I feel like a fucking creep for even. No, like, no, it's and it's, just... it raises a good point of when you have a connection that is platonic and caring, and like in a family setting, it can ruin some books. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, it, I does not make you a bad person at all. I understand why you were having that problem. Like, yeah. so valid. Uh, Very well written. Jay, you did fantastic. I, I loved your book. I just, my kid is, you know, <laughs> gone through similar experiences as you, and therefore I struggle a lot be finding, reading a romance novel essentially about my kid. <laughs> Stop! I, I feel... I may want to cut all this out. I feel like a fucking creep. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a very legitimate thing to have felt. Like, I understand why I made you uncomfortable, like, while you're reading it. Because it's, I don't know, I think if there was ever, I think I could definitely find myself becoming uncomfortable in a similar situation. I was thankfully able to avoid thinking about the, the trans mask person in my life while reading this book. Uh, I just kept it very far away. Um, but if I hadn't, like, if it was somebody who was, like, living in my house, I think it would have been a lot harder. <laughs> I'm lucky because I've known some hot trans men. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, you know, thinking about, like, my brother-in-law in this way would have been really inappropriate, so... <laughs> Well, it's been a fun podcast. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, Say goodbye, kids. <laughs> so the sex scenes happen very soon. Very, very soon. 
Uh, their first little tryst is in a car. Uh, and I will say the scene is done so well because they talk about how awkward it is to like position themselves. I actually have something from their first kiss that's a similar like awkward um, moment here. Uh, Or at least their first real kiss, like really kissing. This time it was Nate who took charge of the kiss. Tugging Jack closer, he moved in, pressing his mouth to Jack's with no hesitation. It was awkward, their bodies twisted in their seats, the gear stick and handbrake between them. Their lips were cold from being outside. But when Nate deepened the kiss, he felt sleek warmth as Jack opened for him on a quiet gasp of breath. Jack tightened his hand on Nate's thigh and slid it higher, sending another jolt of want through Nate. After they've fooled around a bit in the car. Look, we made the windows steam up. Jack grinned. That bodes well. Nate turned the fan on full blast. Yeah, he glanced sidelong at Jack. Nothing like a bit of delayed gratification to ramp things up, too. Because they're not really able to totally do what they're trying to do in the car at this point in time. Cool. Plus, you're in your 40s. I'm yeah. like, I'm in my 30s and yeah. I deal with back pain. It's like, come on. How are you trying to do any of this in a car? Um, and later, they have like a full-on car sex scene and it's really funny because like they're hitting their heads on shit and like trying to maneuver in a back seat and it's like <laughs> it's one of the we're most too old for this <laughs> yeah your car is too small it's very funny yeah it's a very funny endearing scene i i wish it had happened later yes. but they very clearly state they're just being friends with benefits you know and I will say, after their little moment, which is quite steamy, very well described, Andy, you might not want to hear this. You might want to go la 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 la. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't remember, Andy has a trans child and doesn't have to hear some stuff, you know. Um, we're going to respect her. The book talks about how there is growth down there. Not a lot of people know that when trans men take testosterone, they may receive bottom growth and they, they talk about it and they, they make sure to use gender affirming te- terminology. It is handled so authentically and beautifully for a fumble in a car. <laughs> yes, uh, it really is. I really liked it. Yeah, I did too. And I would just say like through like the entire like fumble in the car that they're having, they're like talking with each other and engaging and being like, what works for you? Like we're, this is not the best situation, but like, I, what if I did this or are you into this? Is this okay? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really well done. Yeah. There was, there was so much, especially for something you may think of like as a one night stand, friends with benefits, you know, in a car. It was very sweet, and they very much made sure that the boundaries were respected, the correct terms were used. It was a oddly beautiful thing to read, and I, I really enjoyed how that was handled. And like we said earlier, you can tell this was written by a trans man, which is wonderful representation to see. So yeah, that's the first time they did. <laughs> and the funniest thing is a cop comes by right what? after the- when I was in college uh, with my now spouse, we we would, you, you take a car and you like go to a parking lot in middle of nowhere, Arkansas, and you look at the stars. <laughs> and we did once have a cop come over. Thankfully, after the stargazing, um, which is what it was, mom, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> And he was just very, you know, license, registration, Arkansas man. 
He's like, all right, you kids, go somewhere else. <laughs> well, and that was so much of what this scenario turned into, except it was two 40-year-old adults. Yes. <laughs> and the cop probably opens the window the... expecting teens. <laughs> probably older than the officer. It's so funny because they, they, throughout the book, there are flashbacks to when they are younger and they're in high school and, like, it'll say, like, 1980-something, you know. Uh, and it's just... So endearing to have them kind of relive those awkward teen years. It was just a very funny experience. And then Nate has to go home and tell his mom. Yeah, because it's his mom's car. Because it was his mom's car, just in case the police call to make sure it's not stolen. And he's like, yeah, we were uh, talking in the car. And his mom's like, talking, hmm? And this is when I I fucking love Nate's mom. Yes. I love the women in his family. I love his mom. I love his daughter. And the mom is like, well, you know, if you ever want to talk over here, <laughs> you're welcome to. She's a real ally. 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 <laughs> oh, I did love Nate's mom. <laughs> she was she was a wonderful character. And it it even stated like at some point in the book that you know, she hadn't always been as, like, supportive and knowledgeable and everything that she was now, but she had grown as a person and she had really stepped up um, to be the person that Nate needed her to be. And I, I feel like that's really nice that, like, his mom wasn't the perfect ally in the beginning. She needed help. She needed to learn. But she was willing to take the steps she needed to be there for her son. And that's a really great dichotomy to what we have with Jack's parents, who... Never stepped up. Known. Never. They never learned. They knew, but they just kind of did nothing with that information. Yeah. Yeah, They just, you know, Jack moved to the city and they hardly talked to each other and they didn't really try to fix that relationship. And Jack wasn't going to try and fix it because he was the one who was feeling unaccepted. So, you know, I think it was a really nice dichotomy to see kind of the two ways that parents can approach. I mean, there's more ways, but, you know, two ways that they can approach when your child tells you something that could be, you know, a big shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was very nice to see. And like you said, it's nice when people who are hesitant at first, either because they've been raised a certain way or they've just never known someone who was, you know, different in this manner, come to terms, educate themselves, and become better people. And you see it in his mom. It's it's just so heartwarming. So, so she's like, if you ever want to talk over here <laughs> instead of in my car. Uh, this does get us into the the parenting styles in this book, the laissez-faire parenting styles ha! that I know Roxy ha! would like to talk about. Ooh. Okay, okay. So, Nate comes home, discovers that his daughter, Cass, is talking to a boy and okay like we stated earlier Cass is recovering from a very hard life for a teen to have drugs alcohol abusive boyfriend we find out trigger warning by the way for potential suicidal ideation and self-harm we discover that while very inebriated, Cass has slit her wrists before before moving to this town and trying to start a new life. This is what was going on. 
in their family dynamic. And I understand parents of children who have been through severe trauma that has almost ended their life, at least from my perspective, not every mental health professional will tell you the same. I feel like they go one of two ways. One, they shut down everything, keep an eye on them constantly, constantly monitored. Or two, there are no boundaries. They give them anything because they want them to live and be there with them. And, and we can't be too hard on them because we have never been in that situation. And we don't know what we would do until we're there. But at the same time, it is so hard to see that Nate is more of a friend to his daughter than a parent. And I know I, I have very different experiences growing up than other people and everyone. Just because you have a certain childhood does not determine how you'll be as an adult, you know. There's no completely right way to parent. However, he agrees to her going to a boy's house. He's never met before. The boy's gonna be home alone and they're gonna be there until midnight on a school night. He hasn't even met the mom, doesn't know the mom's name. She just asks him if it's okay. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll drop you off and I'll pick you up at midnight. And he knows they're gonna be alone together for that long. And, and he, he explains that he knows that like she's had sex before and he knows that like she'd just do it anyway. But still you need boundaries and you need information and you need to know people's last names before you entrust your children with them. And it was so hard for me to read this book because while he is not a bad parent and I understand his methodology behind things and he just wants his child to survive, Later on, not to get too ahead of things, something happens to her. And I feel like it could have been not completely prevented, but she could have been safer if he had just put in those boundaries and checked in on her. And you can't be your kid's friend. You can't. I'm sorry. I Stop me. I'm ranting. It's just this was the first moment in reading this book. I was like, hold on. I don't agree with this character's decision. Wait, this was my first disconnect. Yeah. And I'm not a parent. Um, I'm, I have no children. And I was raised in a pretty authoritarian manner. So I'm coming at this from the opposite scenario where, you know, my parents were always very strict with knowing where I was, what I was doing, who I was with, where I was going. And of course, I pushed against that. I was mostly pretty well behaved, but there was times I lied. And so I understood where Nate was coming from in not wanting to set those boundaries because those boundaries could just be surpassed with a lie and then he wouldn't know where she is. And I think that's why he was approaching the way he was because if he set very loose boundaries, at least she wasn't going to overstep those boundaries and theories and lie to him. And that was what he wanted to avoid was her lying to him and him not knowing how to find her and keep her safe. And so like I understood where that the character was coming from in that aspect, but I definitely think he should have gotten more information. <laughs> like, I think he should have At least known the, had the mother's phone number or like anything <laughs> before this was allowed to happen. Like, like, a, yeah, I'll drop you off, but only if I can, you know, meet his mom first, you know, like maybe not today, but you could do this next week after I meet his mom, you know, like anything, you know, it, he, he definitely erred too far on the side of, 
no boundaries when really, which I, I do feel is very realistic. I feel like it's a realistic thing that could and does happen. But at the same time, it was like, Nate, what are you doing? <laughs> Nate, be a father. <laughs> so I actually have a lot of thoughts on this. Firstly, I don't know a ton about British culture, but I do know that sixth forms are essentially like, that's the grade of school that Cass is in. And I believe that is the optional, like, college prep year before going into college. Essentially, from what I understand, your senior year is basically optional. Uh, it's really just if you have something that you want to go to college for, that you're there for your sixth forms. So she is technically, in the eyes of the culture, an adult. So that might be kind of, we're coming from, you know, Wasp America. <laughs> So that might be part of it, but I, I would like to share, uh, my experiences. So fun thing, I was raised by parents. My dad had no rules from his parents and my mom, uh, they didn't get a television set until she was 14 and they are in their fifties. So it was ridiculous. Okay. So my mom was super like, yeah, the kids like need to be free to express themselves and stuff. My dad was very much like, you're, when we're in Walmart, like you see that square, your feet are staying in it. You're not going anywhere else. So I've experienced both sides of that. And it's, it's very interesting because I can understand both the, the place where Roxy's coming from and like, my God, set rules, please. But also the place where like Corinne's coming in where it's like, Okay, but you need they need to feel comfortable enough to have that conversation with you. That's why you never shoot for authoritarian. You always shoot for authoritative, right? Yeah. Yep, authoritative. Yep. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I think he needed to... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. I think he needed to put some more rules down, um, but still be flexible. And I a think- A healthy middle. Yeah, yeah. And we needed a healthy middle. But I, I understand, you understand where the character's coming from in not having that healthy middle. He thought his daughter was gonna die. You know, your parents either go one of two ways after something like that happens. Mine went uh, authoritarian. Um, they kept me on a very short leash because I, mm -hmm. um, I didn't do anything wrong to have almost died. But, you know, I had to have three back surgeries at a very young age, between the ages of 13 and 16. I had various medical complications. So, like, when I was 13, my parents got me an extra life insurance policy in case I died. You know, like, they had to have those thoughts. And so once all the surgeries were done and I lived and I was, in quotation marks, fine, they were going to make sure I stayed that way. And, you know, it's really two sides of the same coin of how do you react mm -hmm. after you think you're going to lose your child. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think I, I really, I feel for Nate here um, in the choice that was made, but I wish a better one had been made, just as I wished a better one had been made for my own parents. <laughs> I think I got so mad because it would be this, like, laissez-faire approach with his daughter. And then you would get the thoughts of, oh, I can't wait to talk to Jack. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see him. And I felt like that excitement was overriding things he should have been concerned about. And there's a lot of internal dialogue. I will say it, the book, the book's well written. It's very cute. It's very good at describing atmospheres and emotions. But there's a lot of flip-flopping between whose point of view you're reading. 
which can get confusing at times. But the point of view that we hear from Nate is very Jack-centered more than it is family-centered. And I know it's a romance novel, so of course it's going to focus on the, the yeah. romantic relationship. But at the same time, felt kind of icky. Felt kind of midlife crisis-y, reliving my, you know, I, romance crush days. I don't know. I hadn't pro like necessarily taken it like that, but now that you mention it, I'm like, yeah. Ugh. And I think, honestly, that might have been... I will give Jay, the author, some... Not necessarily benefit for the doubt, but like uh, some kudos here. Maybe this was a reaction as well to what happened to Cass. A, I fucked up as a parent. Now I have mm -hmm. a chance to relive my youth. Like, it very well... It could have been intentional, you know, having Nate essentially kind of going through this midlife crisis while trying to be a parent to his daughter and, you know, instead getting distracted by Jack, who was his childhood love, his teenage love, his... The one boy he didn't get. You know, it, it seems like it could be a realistic reaction to the scenario, but I don't, I don't know if it's intentional or not, or if it's just because it's a romance novel. I think Jay did a very good yeah. job, a very good job psychologically, because, yeah, I can see all of this. I can see this being an actual real scenario. It probably has been one. And I actually, looking back on it, I did get frustrated with Nate in regards to that. Still a likable character. Still, you know, you root for him. <laughs> uh, even though he's flawed. And I love stories that can show you the pros and the cons of a character without making them irredeemable. Without making them uh, a character you can enjoy. So, so kudos to you. Um, I want to ask you a question, ma'ams. Ask. Did this feel... A little fanficy to you guys. So that's actually um, as soon as I read the summary to this book, it immediately reminded me of a fan fiction I had read. the The main character in that was not trans mask, but so many of the story beats were very similar. And that's actually my fan fiction for this uh, for the session. And I think I I feel like. I, Jay must write or read fan fiction. Like, he must. G just given the way this is written, the way things resolve, the, the way characters really do communicate with each other so well, it seems like this is in reaction to other writing that doesn't do that. Like, other romance novels that where the communication is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> dragon queens. Dragon queens. You leave dragon queens alone! I love them! <laughs> Kathleen to Plume, I will fight for you. <laughs> but the communication is garbage. <laughs> but the sex scenes were better. I'm saying it. <laughs> One more wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Can't get enough of our sexy voices and even sexier brains. Join our Patreon at the flirt level for only $3 to gain access to ad-free episodes, monthly book polls, and the patrons-only portion of our Discord. Looking for something more? Our one-night stands at $5 also get episodes one week early and access to our personal reading notes from each episode. We have so much to show you. All we need is a little commitment. Interested? 
check out our socials, WBTYMPod, basically anywhere people congregate. Each one will link our Patreon. Can't wait to see you there. The reason I bring that up is because there's something that I have noticed as uh, an enjoyer, uh, a self in- self-indulgent fanfictioner, and that is pacing mm-hmm. and plot points. Oh my god. There's pacing. certain pacings and there's certain plot points that go with, like, a modern AU, a human AU, a fluff AU, right? And it's something like the climax of the book and kind of random time skips over days. Not random necessarily, but a lot of the book, obviously this is a romance novel. Okay, I understand this. But a lot of it was like skipping forward days till the next date with Jack. Like, we didn't get a lot of time just him at home with his daughter and mom. Mm -hmm. It was about the romance. Which is fine. Uh, But it does, it does be like, is this fanfic? Is this? It did feel, it did feel fanfic-y. That that slice of life, a fluff. For our listeners uh, who are not in the fanfic community, what is fluff, Andy? Fluff is essentially just nice things. It's just good, soft, sweet. Fluffy. Yeah. It's like the if the inside of a pillowcase was a story experience, that is fluff. It makes you feel it's, warm and cozy and happy. And yep. you know everything's going to be okay in the end. Yeah. Even if, even if there's some angst, even if there's some other things going on, you know at the end it's going to be okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it the pacing was weird. Understandable, but like like Andy said, there wasn't a lot of anything else in their lives, you know? It was just when can I see this person next? And how much of my internal monologue is going to be, "Oh, I feel more than friends with them, but I can't tell them." "Oh, I also feel like we're more than friends, but I can't tell them." You're literally fucking each other. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Uh, I will say, though, we had one glimmer, one moment where it was like, okay, so maybe this is kind of what it's like for a, a, a night with Cass, Nate, and uh, what's his mom's name? Oh, um, oh, piss. What's her it name? It starts with an S, I think. Is it Sue? Is she Sue? Yeah, I think it's Sue. It's Sue. I yeah. think it's Sue. One of the moms um, is Sue. I just don't know which one. <laughs> um, But they sit and they watch a documentary about transgender parents. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck yeah. But it, all it ends up being is like, Cass and Jack get onto each other for texting their boyfriends. Yeah. And I'm just like, I want to spend time with this family. Yeah. I think it definitely did really heavily focus on the relationship, which it is a romance novel. Um, But I think it definitely did, given the length of the book, I think this author may come from fanfic origins. Um, I don't know much about Jay Northcote. I know that he's quite prolific. prolific. He's written a lot of short uh, novels and various series that are connected to each other. But I would guess, and maybe I'm wrong, that uh, Jay does come from a fanfic background just because of the way this is paced. Mm-hmm. It does feel like I could just pop this into AO3 and change some names and it is just a modern AU of, for instance, Stucky. Um, like, <laughs> it could immediately uh-huh. become that. Like, I so easily. <laughs> I have a comment in my notes that I just found. Don't don't judge me. Okay. So, <laughs> so there are several scenes 
that I feel as a uh, person who's just older, you know, um, we're very unrealistic. One being they have like a heavy pasta dinner with everyone's, you know, family, with Nate's family. <laughs> don't laugh. Don't, don't. <laughs> they have this like heavy ass dinner. Uh, and then they go up to his room. Yes. Family is still there. His mom is still there in her room. His daughter's still there in hers. And they they know that those two are together in that room. And after having a huge ass plate of pasta, they get the fucking. Yep. Yep. You've got family there. Also, the Harper. Okay. <laughs> and then later. Okay, I'm not trying to be nasty. No, you are. I am someone of Middle Eastern descent. And I, there is a lot of spicy food in my culture. They have curry. <laughs> and then yeah. there's lots of licking and sucking after having spicy stuff. And then there's things. Things going in. Yeah, I was concerned about the food choices these two were making before they're fucking. Um, Beans on yeah, toast. Like, yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> Okay, that's a British thing. That I know, but on. I stand by. I still. They were making some questionable food decisions before they're fucking. Um, yeah, like, okay, folks, listen. I, I swear I'm not nasty. Please don't eat something spicy and go down on your partner. Yeah, unless you're don't. in like corpophilia. I don't want to know what that is. I think you can guess. Ah! Um, also, just if you're like tongue spicy, that's going to cause yes, some problems. Yes, it's going to burn. It's going to burn and you're going to have a bad time. And as someone who's part of a culture that has foods like these, heed my warning. <laughs> At least heed brush your teeth, maybe. Yeah, brush your tongue. No, don't, because the mint. Oh, the mint. That's oh. not going to help mint. either. Have you thought of the mint? Use bubble gum only flavored toothpaste you're gonna get a use why am i giving you advice <laughs> i appreciate it thank you because we're the no. bands and that's what we're here for we're here for yeah. fucking and advice fucking advice oh <laughs> but anyway uh there's there's a lot of cute stuff of like reminiscing over music from their youth and how it's not records anymore but they can make a uh, spotify playlists for each other which reminded me of you dorks and how you make playlists for your D D characters yeah we do it's fucking yeah, their cute characters playlist. Our playlist is really good, so fuck you. I bet it is. I listen to it when I'm reading our romance books because it is just a good romance playlist, okay? Yeah. So first of all, suck shit. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> I, something else that was fanficking to me that I forgot to mention. Very specific song titles and band names. Yes. And I was like. And movies. Uh -huh. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. It was so... Sorry. I, I also have to say the weirdest thing. I, I'm a 90s baby. I'm not really from this generation, but I've don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say Led Zepp. Yeah, no. I don't think... I don't think I've ever heard that either. But also, we're not British, so maybe yeah. that was a thing in maybe the UK. Maybe it's a British thing. Yeah. They say Zed instead of Zero. They're yeah. weird over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, if anybody <laughs> who lives in the UK is listening, tell us. Send, yeah, send us a message, DM us, you know, like, tell us what's normal. Teach us, <laughs> teach us your crusty bread bean culture. <laughs> <laughs> We've just lost every British view. No, if they've been here long enough, they know what I'm about and they're fine. <laughs> I love you guys. I want to be one of you and I'm stuck here with my goddamn sweet tea. Like God intended. <laughs> anyway.
way. So, you know, they connect more. And then there's this whole angst of Jack starts lying about where he's been to his parents. Yes. Because he says originally that he doesn't want to expose Nate to them because they are, you know, they're pretty, they're seemingly very ignorant and intolerant of trans folks. And that's what Jack's saying. But that's not really where this is coming from on Jack's front. Yeah, yeah. He he says that's why. And I do believe on some surface level he believes that. Yeah. However, we find that Jack very much cares about appearances and not having things being awkward. And it's just heartbreaking because his mom will ask, oh, who were you talking to? He lies. And he goes so far as to lie that, like, so so Nate comes over to the house while the parents aren't there. Accidentally leaves two mugs on the counter. So Jack's parents are like, who was over here? He fucking, Jack says... It was a stranger he hooked up with to have sex with. Yeah. Instead of saying it's Nate. Yeah. Yeah. He would rather them think that he just like. Invited a a stranger to their house to fuck. Yeah. Then then someone his parents have known. Yeah. Just because that person is trans and he doesn't want to have that awkward conversation. Yeah. It's such a gross. And that kind of that is one of the main conflicts in the second half of the book. And it's that Jack does not want to admit that to his parents that he's dating Nate because he is afraid. He is being a big chicken about it because he knows his parents don't accept him as being gay. And he knows it's going to be even harder for them to accept that he is gay and dating a trans man. Eventually, he admits that to himself, that he thinks they will think less of him or think he's not gay anymore because he's dating a trans man, which he later, you know, does make a very good apology about and tells his parents to fuck themselves, basically. But it takes but a long only, time. Yeah. It takes a long time for him to get to that point. And I wish he did get there sooner because given how close they get and, like, how intimate they get, I really wish that Jack had come forward sooner to his parents because I understand, like, when they've fooled around once or twice, but, like, when things are getting, like, more serious between them, and, and I guess maybe the problem is is that Jack is really in the dark about his own feelings for a long time. He doesn't even really start to consider that he has feelings until, like, maybe the last third of the book. Because he's in denial uh, and a pigeon. At least Nate knows he has feelings. Nate is like, he's like, I, this was a bad idea. I definitely have feelings. Very early. There's multiple points where he's like, and there's Fuck. the feelings again. Fuck. <laughs> you know? But meanwhile, Jack is very much in in denial about the fact that he has feelings. And I suppose if he thinks he doesn't have feelings and if if this is just a fling, it's not worth the emotional baggage that will come with talking to his parents about it. But I I think Jack was just being oblivious kind of on purpose. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I warned the ma'ams that this was going to be my thing. Um, My biggest issue with Jack is this shit. Yeah. Because... You want to know the quickest way to damage your relationship in a way that's going to take years and years to fix? Do that. Yeah. Don't stand up to your parents about your spouse. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You you need someone who's going to be in your corner. And for all Jack's awareness, because he, in his own internal dialogue, you very much find 
that even though Jack is the cisgender uh, gay man in this relationship, he has studied stuff about trans individuals. He reads, uh, Nate has a blog about his trans journey. He reads the blog. He, he makes sure he's educated. There is a difference between being educated and actually standing up for someone in your heart. There is a huge difference between um, grandstanding and if I knew someone like this, I'd be there for them versus actually standing by their side. And it is so hard to see Jack go through that that disconnect in his mind of, oh, yes, you know, I, I really like this person and I just want to protect them versus actually doing so. Do it, pussy. You won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he he lies to his parents consistently, consistently, uh, hides the, the friendship even. He doesn't say that they're hanging out a lot. I will say there was one moment I agreed with Jack's mom. And I'm, I might get a little bit of hate for this. Jack's mom, upon finding out that he was, uh, well, being told, not finding out, but he, but she was told Jack is hanging out with like a colleague instead of Nate. She goes, oh, good. And some people may take it as her being like anti-trans or anti-Nate. I think these two were very unhealthily constantly around each other and they needed more friends. I... I don't think it's healthy to only go places with a sexual romantic partner. You need other connections, platonic connections in your life. So you do not become enmeshed. So you do not have a toxic dynamic. Um, so when the mom said that, I was kind of like, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, at least he's hanging out with someone he doesn't want to fuck. <laughs> You know? Yeah. yeah. I feel like if that had been real and Jack really had been making friends with his colleagues, like, that would have been great for him. And because we really don't see these two making any connections in their hometown besides with each other. And yeah. given that they're both coming back from a trauma, they definitely you know are. trauma bond? Yeah, they're trauma bonding. And mm-hmm. if we had seen them. Through their dicks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they're trauma bonding with their dicks, everybody. That is That's what Rocky said. Trauma bonding with your dick. That's um, how I, a therapist, <laughs> diagnose them. You're welcome. That's gonna Pay be me $10,000. Autobiography. <laughs> um, but if we had I seen that. I that while I'm drinking. <laughs> Don't be drinking when I'm saying shit. I'm hilarious. <laughs> the grumpy face I just got. You're giving me wrinkles. <laughs> but yeah, like if they had had other friends, if they had made other friends, if they had reconnected with other people, you know, like it, it would have felt less like they were just trauma bonding with their dicks. Um. <laughs> can name the episode trauma bonding with their dicks. <laughs> God, we're not going to be, that's going to have to be on a shirt, isn't it? Trauma bonding with your dick. Yep. Make it now. <laughs> Bring it down. But yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like the, they, like there were opportunities too where it was like, oh, I think this girl recognized me. She looked familiar from high school. That could have been a connection. Yeah. That could have been someone to talk to. That could have been like, hey, I'm having trouble with this guy. Do you have any advice? It could have been healing. It could have expanded things. And I know it's a fuck book, but still. Well, some- and- oh, go ahead, Andy. 
something I feel like we're spoiled about from our other books is that, especially with, like, Spoiler Alert and Heartbreak Incorporated, some of the secondary characters were our favorite characters. Yeah. Because yeah. they had true yeah. and genuine friendships and connections. And this is so much focused on the romance that we don't get any secondary characters. Not really. The only reason we have secondary characters is because they live with their parents. Yeah. And, like, we, we like, the, the secondary characters, like, they have their own wants and needs and desires and things going on in their lives, but we don't really spend any time with them. I think they're well-fleshed-out characters, but we don't spend time with them. Um, and I think that because of that, it, it's part of why their relationship feels like it might not be the best thing for them. You know, however, this is a romance book. And, like, they're nice together, yeah. and they're sweet moments, and the sex is good, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah, they talk a lot um, about their sexual compatibility, which I know is important, and maybe it's just me growing up in the WASP culture of the United States of America, but I'm kind of like, isn't there more to it? <laughs> I think in my notes at one point I typed, I'm too demisexual for this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and I think... Uh, for Kind of one of the things here going on is that they did grow up together. Like, they knew each other incredibly well before all of this, but they don't know anything about each other as adults. And I think they themselves are rushing into this sexual relationship based on their, their prior history without really considering how much they've changed. And what's happened in between them. Like, yeah, they talk about it, but they don't really talk about the new things they like. They just reminisce on the old things they like, which... and it. It feels kind of lazy. Yeah. Like, instead of having character growth, just flashback to when they did bond. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we don't really see them necessarily bonding as adults. Um, we just see them fucking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and being cute together. Like, they do, you know. Yeah, have, they're cute. Yeah. They have dinner and, and, you know, like, they play a game of backgammon, you know. But, like, yeah. backgammon of all things. Um <laughs> And that's, that's what leads to the parents discovering that there's, like, an extra mug yeah, there later. Extra... So, are we ready to progress? Yes. There's one more to... thing I want to say. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the other big issue I have with Jack, because apparently I just have something, I have a craw about this guy stuck up in me somewhere. But he, there's one point where they're having sex. And that motherfucker is staring at the clock. Because yeah. he doesn't want the parents to catch him. And that pisses me off. Well, and so, that yeah. becomes the point where Nate does stand up for himself. Because Nate knows now that Jack isn't telling him, uh, telling his parents about him. And it's, when that happens, Nate's like, are you going to be with me? Then be with me. You know, mm -hmm. like, tell your parents. And I really actually like the way that Nate approached that. Because Nate didn't give an ultimatum of tell your parents or I'll leave you. It was just tell your tell parents. Your parents. <laughs> it's and affecting it's, our relationship. Please tell your parents. Talk to them. And it's so hard, especially after yeah. a book like Spoiler Alert, where he was proud to be with her, even yeah. though at times she felt she wasn't worthy of it. To see someone be proud of you and love you as you are and want to show you off to the world. Yeah. And then come to this book. It felt icky. It... And I know he kept saying it was to protect Nate, but I think it was to protect himself more. Yeah. And that's the realization he comes to at the end of the book. Yeah. So I'm good. That was my qualm. We could perfect. Yeah. Thanks for waiting for me. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so we get into the next arc of this book. Yes. And that is during a 
Oh, I'm going to try not to rant about parenting styles again, because we've already done that. He decides he's going to allow his daughter to go to a party in a place he's never been before with people he doesn't know. Boyfriend's going with her. It's going to be very late. Uh, another parent is going to be picking them up. All this stuff. Well, and also, Nate's mm-hmm. not going to be home. Nate's going to be at Jack's. Yes. So he he allows his daughter to go to this party where he knows, you know, there's going to be alcohol and all sorts of stuff. And you realize in his inner dialogue, he is more excited about spending the night for the first time at Jack's. Instead of worrying about Cass. He doesn't, he, he doesn't get the information. He's, it's, it's just. His dick clouds his judgment. Yes, exactly. And it's not a dialogue of, you know, like, I don't feel like there's any, like, I feel like any genuine worry is clouded over by the fog of, oh, I get to fuck him as loud as I want. No one will be there. Which doesn't sound like something a 40 plus year old with a 16 year old child should be thinking. Yeah. Especially one that is recovering from a lot of shit. So they fuck whatever, you know, (laughs) as they do. And Nate gets a call on his phone. And discovers that his daughter has been hospitalized. Uh, She is in the emergency room. And... It is due to a drug in her system. So they they rush over, um, get there as fast as they can. Jack goes with him. So good, you know. The boyfriend is there, tells them the story. Um, He could have sworn she'd only had alcohol and maybe a little weed. She didn't take anything strong. I did. At first, I was very hesitant about the boyfriend, but he does end up being a very good character. I'd argue one of the best characters, really. <laughs> I mean, he was just a, he was a really good kid. Who, he was a good kid. Yeah, like he was he was serious about school. He was, you know, he was still messing around and, you know, drinking and stuff on the weekends. But he was still like a good kid. And he really did care about Cass. Like, yeah, even though the uh, relationship starts off rocky with him like ditching his girlfriend for her which like but he doesn't cheat on his girlfriend he doesn't cheat he on his girlfriend he recognizes yeah. that connection and ends things yeah um but um, nate was understandably like hey are you sure this is a good idea to cast originally and Cass is like yeah yeah no he didn't like you know we never did anything before you know he didn't cheat in the future reference don't t- take a break before you date the next person or there'll be a rebound this this is a work of fiction but like you know for your the man said, "Yeah, for your sake, take care of yourself. Yeah, first. take you care of yourself. Taking a break for. So, um, and if the person still really likes you after you've taken a break from that relationship, then maybe get in a relationship with them. It's a good sign. So, to make things easier, I got the audiobook of this, and it's narrated by someone that I believe is from Northern UK. I don't, I don't know, uh, but he pronounced it." ketamine and and that's i don't know why that's so important to me to mention here but god it just pulled me out every time i'm like you mean ketamine (laughs) every time i read come as c-o-m-e 
during the sex scenes, I was like, ugh. See, that's such a fan fiction thing, though. I'm not a fan fiction. The, the one that bothered me that I knew was going to be in there um, is the specific colloquial and slang term for cigarettes in the UK. Yes. Yeah. I won't say it because I don't like saying it. But I didn't like it. Yeah, but it, I like I had a feeling it would be in there because, you know, it is just a thing in the UK. For those who don't know, just look up slang term for cigarette in UK. Like... <laughs> God, it pulls you out. Huh? Yeah, it, it pulls <laughs> you out. In a trans romance novel. It yeah. sure pulls you the yeah. fuck out. Yeah, because you're like, whoa, wait, oh, it's the cigarette. <laughs> it's, the, it's the cigarette. It's the cigarette. <laughs> so they, they arrive at the hospital. Kids there, you know, uh, discover that, as Andy said, she has been spiked with ketamine. Or ketamine. <laughs> or ketamine. The view saw. God damn it. And uh, you find out that at first Nate is just like, I can't believe she's doing drugs again. Uh, but Jack is like, we don't know if she took this or if it was spiked. And the boyfriend is like, I could have sworn I didn't see her take anything. All, all she did was have some punch. Uh, and she may have left her drink unattended. Which is a sad reality. Look out for your friends, folks. And they decide to spend the night at the hospital. There is a very sweet scene of Jack and Nate um, cuddling up in the hospital recliner, spending the night, you know, just, just waiting by his baby girl's side. There, there was one line that kind of broke me. When Nate first sees his daughter in the hospital bed, you see a line, and it's an—it's like an internal thought, you know. It's italicized. It's not an external proclamation. The first thing he thinks to himself is, "My baby." I actually have that here. Yeah. When he set it, set eyes on Cass, his stomach turned upside down at the sight of her, deathly pale. Her brown hair spread out in a tangle on her pillow. Her eyes were closed, dark shadows like bruises beneath them. A drip went into the back of one of her hands, and various machines were hooked up to her, beeping in a way that probably should have been reassuring. But it wasn't. My baby. Nate's heart clenched. Parenthood was a blessing and a curse, because the love you felt for your children shone bright and beautiful. But when your child was in pain, it was a blade that cut you to the bone. He hurried to take the seat by her bed and touch the hand that wasn't pierced by tubes. Her skin was warm, and the sight of her chest slowly rising and falling gave him some relief. She's alive. She's going to be okay. She has to be. Please. That was the first moment I really genuinely enjoyed Nate as a father. Because the whole time it just feels like he's trying to be her friend. And then you see this. And then there is a line later that also broke me. He wakes up around 3 a.m. And he thinks to himself, it's reminiscent of... Because he... uh. He's only been uh, transitioned for five years of his life. Previously, uh, he had given birth to her. He talks about how he would wake up before she cried for milk. Uh, he would wake up right before she did. Uh, just like part of their routine, like some, some part of the brain, you know. And he wakes up right before she does in the hospital bed. And that parallel was so soft and sweet. 
I would argue, sweeter than any of the moments Jay, Jack, and Nate had. Sorry, Jay, I said your name, but it's Jack, not Jay. <laughs> it was it was really just the sweetest, most purest thing. And of course, he talks to his daughter, and they figure out that, of course, she didn't take anything. It was spiked, you know. And he feels guilt for immediately assuming that about her, which is a very real reaction. Like, once again, Jay, amazing job with these characters and their thought processes, like, amazingly done. Uh, I thought that was all very realistic. Like, he jumped to the conclusion that she had taken something, that she had done this to herself after what happened the last time. And then Jack is there being like, hey, you don't know what happened. You know, we have to wait and see. This kid seems trustworthy, speaking about the boyfriend. And he says he didn't see her take anything, you know. Then, you know, Nate learns oh, her drink was spiked. She didn't do this to herself on purpose. And that guilt is there immediately. He immediately feels bad for misjudging her, for jumping to conclusions. Um, and then kind of turns his his wrath on the spiker, which is very fair. Uh, very fair. Did you want to talk about the spiker? You have a look on your face, Roxy. Andy has a look too, though, and I've talked a lot. I, Andy, I do you want to talk? Andy be mad all day. <laughs> you want to talk about the spiker? Speaking as a parent, you will always be super duper fucking ready to go to war for your kid. And I did not give birth to this child. I adopted this child when they were an adult. I know I refer to them as a child. They are not. Literally, they will come home from work and someone will have said something mean at work. And I'm like, who am I killing? Where am I going? Post up. Walmart parking lot. Let's go. But so Spiker arrives at the hospital... We, we discover it was Adam's ex-girlfriend trying to get it Adam, not Cass. She didn't realize what would happen. She thought he would just, like, act a fool at the party or something, and people would make fun of him. Yeah. She didn't realize what would happen. She thought he'd, like, throw up, stumble around, and then be fine. You know, like, she wasn't trying to kill anybody or hurt anybody, really. But... And she, she goes and apologizes. Yeah. And Nate, Nate does have some anger... But I don't feel it's on the level of a parent's wrath. And Andy, if you want to go more into that, that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that if a kid, if someone had spiked my kid, I would, I would allow them to make the final decision, but I would encourage them greatly to seek recompense. Man, just if someone... Come on! Are you fucking serious? You don't have anything better to do than slip ketamine in people's drinks? Go get a fucking job. I don't know. Do something else. Goddamn. Go vote. At least do some community service. Jesus Christ, yeah. Molly. I, I also heard- Yeah, I feel like more justice should have been served in that situation. I don't think they should have thrown the book at her, but I think yeah, they but- should have reported it and then been like, we don't want to press charges, but we but want- should- her to do community service or something like we don't want this on a record forever it was a dumb mistake by a teenager however she does need to like learn a lesson here you know like we don't want it on a record but can you do something you know like you know what nate should have done talk to her goddamn parents yeah yeah yes. nate should have talked yes. to her parents oh my god she just gets away with it because they're like yeah we don't want to ruin her life there are other options. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, oh, that kid. Yeah, that and the, that. No, oh, that kid. Granted, that kid did something much worse. Um, but also, life. 
But also, you know, like, there should have been consequences for this girl. And you you don't, you know, she didn't end up killing anybody, but she very well could have. She drugged somebody Easily. without their consent. She was seeking revenge in a way that was seriously fucked up. Like, she needed some intervention. She needed some consequences. Like, she needed to go to therapy. She needed a lot of things, and I feel like that was very much just brushed over. She uses the excuse of she was tipsy, and I'm just like, bitch, the worst thing I've done when I've been tipsy is gone to Taco Bell. Like, that's not an excuse. (laughs) Your inebriated self does not excuse your actions. Yeah. Stop it. You're still... You, you don't drug someone because you're tipsy. Like, that's not, like, a thing you do when you're tipsy. Like, that's not a normal train of thought. I, had I a, threw up. I had a little too much to drink. It's time to spike somebody's drink. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And then you just let her fucking go. Anyway, this proves as a plot point to further their relationship, so that's cool. Roxy they likes actually, this book, I think, but you couldn't tell right now. I, I did like this book a lot. <laughs> Part because we liked it. Yeah. That's what I do to things I like. <laughs> anyway. Oh, baby. Promise? Stop it. She's getting wrinkles again, guys. I just want a compilation of all the times, like, y'all flirt with me and my face <laughs> scrunches like a prune. Um, <laughs> you mean like a prude? Hey, hey yo. <laughs> I got her again. Stop making me have wrinkles. Okay, sorry. Okay, smooth the face up. <laughs> You're going to need a little okay, ice roller good. after you deal with us. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Uh, side note, uh, my my aunts on the Middle Eastern side of the family very much stay out of the sun. Very much like facial creams. Like, don't smile too much, Aziz. Don't, you know, don't have a wrinkle. <laughs> It's very funny how we try so hard to not show any signs that we've lived our lives on our faces. Uh, anyway. Well, and I just want to say my family is very much like the exact opposite. Uh, coming from... <laughs> Get sun, you know. Yeah, like coming from the Italian side of things. Like, you know, the we all have like incredibly expressive eyebrows. We use our eyebrows a lot. So we all have like the, the deep forehead wrinkles. And it's just like a thing. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, from a very young age, we we're like, use that face. Express it. Get yeah. those wrinkles. Go out in the sun. You know, like, it's it's very much a different cultural, like... Yeah. And, you know, it makes sense when you see, like, old Italian ladies and they're, like, all wrinkles and mustaches. No, no, it's just <laughs> like a board of wood. Yeah. All those lines. <laughs> oh, my, my nanny. Oh. <laughs> uh, I Any, lived with anyway, my grandmother uh, and great-grandmother when I was a kid, so we had, a like, the whole family in one house you know oh i love that so them going to the hospital together is used as a point to further their relationship it's it's a crisis they navigate together and they get closer for it and it is very sweet well and jack kind of shows that he has the ability to be there for jack for more than just sex and i think that's why it is an important part of the book because Jack is there supporting Nate in a public place. And Nate has to say that they're together in order for Jack to be able to be allowed in the room. And Jack's okay with that. He doesn't, he's like, yeah, you know what? That's, that's fine. That's okay. You know? And that's one of, that's really when it's right around this time that he really realizes that 
he is he is falling in love with Nate because it was right before actually right before we got to this um Jack had his moment um let me see Okay, so I'm going to go backwards in time a little bit to, to Jack's moment of clarity, which I have noted specifically here as post-nut clarity for anybody uh, listening. I'll get a little bit of sexy bits, too, because we haven't gotten anything yet. Um, a little further. Okay. This, this is going to uh, have uh, some, some mentions of, of, of said trans-fucking, Andy, if you do want to take your headphones off so as not to be uh, thinking of other people. <laughs> Jack wished he could see Nate's face at the moment of release because the sounds he made were intense. Finally, he allowed himself to wrap a hand around his erection and stroke, clenching around Nate's cock as he sought his own release. You didn't come yet? Nate asked. No, nearly. Yeah, come on. Nate started to move again, pissing his hips into Jack as Jack jerked off. Oh, fuck. Jack gasped. Of course, I forgot you can just keep going. Nate chuckled breathlessly. Yep, one of the bonuses of being fucked by a trans guy. We can stay hard all night. Jack's laugh was caught off by a groan of pleasure as Nate nailed his prostate. Shit, don't stop. He stroked himself harder, not planning on it. Sensation built layer upon layer like a tower reaching impossible heights until finally something had to give. Blinding pleasure crashed through Jack and he was lost in freefall, tumbling as the world shattered and remolded itself around him. Peace returned as the last tremors of his release left him, shaking and panting. He didn't remember letting go of his cock, but his hand was back supporting his weight, and his cum painted the dovet beneath him in thick white stripes. And then to the post-nut clarity. So we got the nut, now we get the clarity. God, and I just know they spell come C-O-M-E throughout they that do, whole passage. They do. He kept trying to convince himself that it was a bit of fun, but the nagging doubt that Nate was starting to mean more to him persisted. Opening the door to Nate tonight, Jack's heart had leapt until the thrill of happiness of seeing him. It felt as if it was about more than sexual attraction. But of course, this was about more than sex. Nate was his friend. So inevitably, Jack cared about him more than he would some random guy he only met for sex. Friends with benefits. The clue was in the name, but Jack had never had a friend with benefits before, so he wasn't sure what the normal level of attachment was. Perhaps this was only to be expected, but it was alarmingly familiar. It felt as though he was falling in love. And I will say, I actually, I actually really like the whole hospital scenario further cementing that emotional connection because I recently, in January, uh, my dad had a health scare. Uh, and we had to drive down to Atlanta, go to the emergency room. He's much better now. Uh, thank you all if you uh, ask about him. It was my dad's neighbor who discovered him. I had never met this man before. But as soon as we saw each other in the ER, we gave each other a huge hug. There is something about life or death situations, something about emergency rooms that just breaks down those <sighs> polite society masks that we wear of only talking about the weather or just, oh, how's your, how how's everything going? Oh, it's good, you know, kind of uh, just polite conversation. And we're we're good friends with those neighbors to this day. And, and he's doing much better. But there is something about these situations that can further a connection, whether it doesn't exist yet or if it already does, because it makes you confront 
things that usually you can push to the side. So I, I actually do think this was a very good plot point that had build up to it. It was very well done. Uh, and I like how it was handled. And then fucking Applebee's happens. <laughs> I don't I don't remember what restaurant they go to is called, but it's British Applebee's in my mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, so Cass is healed. She's doing better. The the whole family decides to go to Shoney's or whatever. Do Shoney's still exist? <laughs> I don't know. They go to TGIF. Fridays, but I already said the F. Uh, <laughs> they go to chill. Uh, TGIF Fridays is, thank God it's fucking Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. It's the British version. Yeah. <laughs> they say fucking. Fucking Friday. <laughs> thank God it's fucking Friday. <laughs> so they, they go to a restaurant together uh, to celebrate. And it's Nate and Jack. Uh, it's, it's Nate's mom, the daughter, the boyfriend. And then... And, and like... Jack and Nate are like holding hands, cuddle up to each other. And then Jack's parents walk in. And Jack immediately lets go of Nate. Viscerally recoils away from him. And the daughter calls it out. Oh, and I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, she called him, I think, uh... She called him a wanker, but I don't remember exactly what she said. She called him spineless. a spineless wanker. Yes, that's what it was. And I loved it. <laughs> I was like, yes, Jack is being a spineless wanker. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Don't mind mean... me just sipping my glass judging. <laughs> you mean wanker. A spineless wanker. I actually have before we continue that. At one point, slightly before this, Nate is talking to his mom about how he thinks Jack is ashamed of him. And the the scene in which we're talking about really cements that. But this is what his mom says. Why on earth would he be ashamed of you? Because I'm trans, Nate admits in a small voice. Because some people will never see me as a real man. And then what does that say about Jack? He's an out and proud gay man. He might not want people to think differently about him because of me. His mom. Anyone who thinks like that is an idiot, his mom said fiercely. The conviction in her voice made tears prick Nate's eyes. It meant a lot that his mom was so firmly in his corner now. It had taken her time to become the ally she was today. And if you really believe Jack thinks like that about you, why would you want to be with him anyway? You deserve to be with somebody who is proud to be seen with you. And from what I've seen of Jack, I think he cares about you a lot. So I hope you're wrong. But the only way to find out for sure is talking to him. Yeah, Nate sighed. I know. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I can't believe it. I love her. I do too. I can't believe it's taken this long of the podcast for these three bisexual women to say this to you. Your partner's gender does not determine your sexuality. It does not. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, bitches. Ah, sorry. No, such it's a good point. Just, yeah. It's it's so heartbreaking. Because they build up, they go through so much together just for one in the moment recoil to show the truth. Nate walks away. Jack tries to chase after him. And they don't talk for a bit. And Jack decides, I don't want to fuck this up. Jack actually realizes Holy shit. 
I could lose him. I actually do love him. Which, uh, oh, I think the love word is said too soon, but you know what? I'm going to leave it to a shared history they've had for years. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, they are coming from a place of, they knew each other in their formative years. Like, they grew up yeah. together. They do have a very long history. So, you know, and I'll give them a pass, but I don't like it. <laughs> Jack does even say that, that I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. He says something very yeah, specific yeah, yeah. that I like. So, yeah. um, Jack goes to his parents and he admits everything because he knows that is the only way to fix things with Nate. He has to come clean. And so here's that. He was sitting on the sofa in the living room when his parents got home. Getting up, Jack went to greet them as they came in the front door. I need to talk to you both, he said, immediately skipping any greeting or social niceties. He wanted to get this over with. His father raised his eyebrows. That sounds ominous. Is everything okay? His mother frowned in concern. It's nothing awful, but it's important. Come and sit down. Jack let them into the living room and let them take the sofa while he sat on the armchair facing them. They looked at him expectantly, and Jack's heart pounded. He planned exactly what he was going to say to them, but now he's facing them, and the words deserted him. I'm in love with Nate, he blurted. Okay, that wasn't part of his script. But as soon as he said it, Jack realized it was true. He repeated himself more quietly this time. I'm in love with Nate. His parents gaped at him, seemingly lost for words, so Jack filled the gap, plowing on and spilling on his truth while they listened. I've been seeing him for a few weeks now. We reconnected as friends, but then it became more. It took me a while to realize how I felt about him. Now I know, but I'm afraid I've messed things up. Just let me get this right. Nate is Nat, the girl you were friends with in school, yes? His father frowned. Jack clenched his fists, willing himself to stay calm. Nate is Nate, but yes, he used to be called Nat before he transitioned. But you're gay, his mom said, and Nate is... She made some half-hearted gesture with her hand that left Jack none the wiser. I am gay, and Nate is a man. Jack met her gaze and then turned to his father, who was still frowning. This is why I didn't want to tell you I was seeing him, because I knew you'd react like this. Jack had a sudden flash of realization. I thought I was trying to protect Nate from your ignorance, while all along I was trying to protect myself from your disapproval. But fuck that. You've never approved of me anyway, and I'm long past caring what you think. Nate is an amazing man. He's kind, funny, clever, and one of the bravest people I know. I'm going to go to him right now and try to persuade him to give me another chance. I just have to hope he'll say yes. And then, at one point, his mom does say in response to that, we want you to be happy. And, you know, I do like that. And then his dad says, buy him flowers that always worked on your mother when I was in the doghouse. It's like all that builds up for just having a real conversation with people for the love of... Like, yeah, they may not understand, but in the end, they just want you to be happy and they want you to buy him flowers. <laughs> buy more men flowers. I, I bought yes. Bevan flowers last week. I tried to get Ben to tell me what his favorite flowers were and he won't let me get him flowers. And I'm like, I want to get you flowers. And by say won't let me, I mean he won't tell me. So he's like, anything's fine. I'm like, just get ones that are his favorite color. I just get Bevan no, purple true. flowers that I think smell nice. I, I got my spouse these cute little pink flowers in a pot. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't want them to die. So we get ones that are already in a pot. So, um, uh, moral of the story, get more men flowers. They like it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, apologizes, takes the flowers. And then, I don't know, I'm here, I'm going to show this to you. So, this is where the apology starts, right here. Highlighted. So much highlighted. <laughs> the whole page is almost pink. <laughs> I have a lot to say about this apology. Would you like me to get into it? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, please. I'm just going to lean back and let you do our job. Go, Pixie. All right. He held out the daffodils, a peace offering. Nate took them, looking up at Jack with his eyebrows raised, waiting for more. I'm sorry for being stupid, for being blind. I never knew how you felt about me. I didn't see it back then. And recently, I think I guessed how you felt, but I wasn't sure. And I was still working out my own feelings. Jack dropped to his knees in front of Nate, so they were on level. Because Nate is sitting right now. I'm sorry. I was careless with your heart. When we were kids and now, I'm sorry that I ever made you feel as if I was ashamed of being with you. Or as if you weren't important to me, because you are. There was a pause. Nate stared intently into Jack's eyes, as though searching for the truth, but not quite believing Jack's words. How important? He asked. Jack swallowed considerably, his reply care- considering his reply carefully. He wanted to be completely honest with Nate. When we were kids, you were my best mate. I loved you as a friend, but nothing more. I don't have that layer of history that you have. My feelings are new, based on you as I know you now. So maybe that makes them somewhat different to yours. But that doesn't mean they're not real. I love you, Nate. I'm in love with you. It crept up on me without noticing, but now I'm sure. And I'm sorry I hurt you by keeping you, by keeping us, a secret. But I've told my parents now. It's out in the open. What did you tell them, Nate frowned? That I love you and that I screwed up. Jake huffed a humorous laugh. <laughs> that I was going to try and fix it so that I'm so that's what I'm doing, Nate, please. He put his hands on Nate's knees, finally allowing himself the luxury of touching him. Please can I have a second chance? Can we do it right this time? What will this mean for us? What do you want? This is Nate speaking. Jack realized he had to answer those questions. They were right there, as if he'd been brewing on them for weeks, in his subconscious. I want us to be together, properly, for keeps. I'll stay living here if that's where you want to be. My job's going all right, and I should have the chance to pick up some extra admin hours soon. Then maybe we could afford to rent somewhere together. God knows I want to get out of my parents' house, and if you wanted to live with me, we could afford somewhere with two bedrooms, one for Cass and one for us. He paused. So what do you think? And then there's a little bit of, you know, internal thinking. Okay, he said simply. Is that a yes? Jack needed to be sure. You want to try it, being together, living together. Nate's smile widened and Jack's heart lifted. Yes to all of it. Oh, thank fuck. Jack tilted his head back for a moment as he sighed in relief. Above them, a break in the clouds showed a patch of blue for the first time that day. Then he looked at Nate intently and asked, You're sure you can forgive me for being a dickhead? Nate laughed then, and the joyful sound of it made Jack's heart sore. Yeah. Given that I've been in love with you forever, I'm pretty sure I want to give it a go, even if you are a dickhead at times. I'd be mad not to say yes now. You're on your knees professing your love for me and begging me to give you a chance. A second chance. Yeah, Nate grinned. He slid his hand around Jack's nape and pulled him close. Everyone deserves a second chance, he whispered. That's the name of the book. It's the name of the book. They said the name. They said the name. They said the name. His breath brushing Jack's lips before he kissed him. This is the name of the book. It's right there. It's the name. It's the name of the book. It's right there. Um, I just want to say, I think this is a really good apology. I think that the relationship still needs time to rebuild after what happened. And after this, we go to the epilogue, which is in the future. So, like, it is assumed that there uh, was time. Real real quick yes. before the epilogue, yes. I want to say I love it when stories do the bookend thing. Yeah. Where it, like, starts in a place and then it ends in the same place. Yeah. Like, they meet in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. He confesses in the graveyard. Yes, it was like, a wonderful I, callback. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, ma'ams, I have a question for you. Yes. Am I a spiteful, petty bitch because I think Nate should have drug him over the coals a little more than he did? <laughs> Nate should have done that to everyone. He was too mm-hmm. fucking laissez-faire about everything. Mm-hmm. I think Nate had the right to be angry for longer. And I'd like to think... 
in between this apology and the epilogue that we see, I think that there is more discussion. I, I would like to think that there is more, like, recompense for the fact that Jack waited so long to tell his parents. I think they have some serious discussions and really plan out the relationship and, and, and do it right this time. You know, like, I that's what I'd like to think happens in between this apology and our epilogue, which is in the future, so. Mm-hmm. And I have to say... I, I did get a bit of whiplash. Like, y'all talking about moving in together? You're talking about loving each other? Yeah. You haven't even admitted you have romantic feelings. Yeah, like, this is the first yeah. time and you're doing all this? All right. Um, <laughs> all at once. Uh, but, you know. But it, good for you. You know, I mean, you know, maybe they're just, you know, trying to do it the lesbian way, you know. the. You I did it. write yeah. <laughs> lesbians, you all. <laughs> yeah, you all lesbians. Um. Lesbians, we love you. Um, just a funny trope. It is. And, you know, you do see it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought this was a good apology. I liked that Jack, you know, apologized for being a dickhead, for not, for hiding his feelings, hiding Nate, hiding everything, basically. But also admitted that his feelings are based in something different than Nate's were. Like, he did call attention to that, but, like, you loved me since we were teenagers. You loved me then. I didn't, I loved you as a friend then. I love you as a romantic partner now, and that is very different. I'm coming at this from a different place, but I think it's still love. And I like that. I like that it really called attention to the fact that these emotions, they were based in different places. And I thought that was a good thing to kind of bring up. As I said, this was where I said, I'll come back to that later. This is what I meant. It, it's right here in this apology where Nate and Jack, like, they really talk about the fact that, hey, I've loved you since I was 16 or whatever, and you only love me now. That That is different, you know. And I feel like they talk, they must talk about that more in, in between this apology and the epilogue. <laughs> For our sanity. Yes. For a sanity, Jay, tell us, did they talk talk about more in between these two spaces? <laughs> you know what I'm realizing? Hmm. You want to know what we liked about this book? Hmm. They fucking talk to each other. Yes, no, uh, that that's, is... That's the main yeah. thing. Yeah. I love that they talk to each other, that they had communication like adults. And, like, there had to be some conflict, so they weren't completely open and honest with each other at all times. But the fact that they talk to each other may be a first in the books we've read. <laughs> They, they communicated their past traumas. Yeah. Um, they explained where they were at life. They defined the relationship as not, you know, as being friends with benefits. They were very clear and candid. And actually, yeah, I think this is the first book. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, Heartbreak Incorporated. But no, there was like a solid portion of that book where they're not talking to each other. <laughs> Well, the, there was the whole, like, her turning on him, like, giving the story to the, yeah. the press and everything. Yeah. Like, this is our first book where they laid all their cards on the table and they were just their genuine, authentic selves. And for a main character to be trans and have a message of being your genuine, authentic self, it's so congruent. And I, I really enjoyed it. The communication, beyond the needed complications necessary for there to be a story here, was immaculate. Like, mm-hmm. they communicated, they told each other where they were at, they talked to each other during sex. I have so many scenes highlighted where they're just, like, discussing things during sex, being like, hey. Like, is this good for you? Are you comfy? Yeah, yeah. like, is this going well? Like, it, did you, what do you like? Show me what you like. And 
it it was so nice to just see that communication across the board you know they were talking to each other about their lives they were talking to each other about their feelings and even during sex they were laughing and talking to each other about what they liked anytime yeah i see laughing during sex in a book uh like in fiction i'm like yeah that's what sex is like sex is weird and awkward and sometimes you fuck up and like you do something weird you're like oh shit yeah. i'm sorry so, i fell you know, it's, it's... <laughs> i i will say about the sex also i need to hear the pixie fell during sex story sometimes um i, I fall all the time the... during sex <laughs> i don't Stop. bend well <laughs> it's called missionary <laughs> you know you try other things and then you fall over Tell Bevan to install your swing, your swing better. <laughs> I was drinking. <laughs> oh, anyway, epilogue. Anyway, talk about the sweet ass epilogue. Uh, something I appreciated in this book in regards to the sex scenes, because like whenever I uh. was able to push through my mental wall of my child, <laughs> that sounds so creepy. Ugh. Hate it when you phrase it that way. Well, I don't know how else to phrase it. I really kind of want to cut all that someone out. Someone I know. <laughs> yeah. When I get through the wall of it being someone I know, like in my head, and I'm able to push through that and see these two random British dudes, uh, I appreciated the attention paid to terminology. Mm -hmm. It's very nice because terminology is a big deal in the trans community. Some people, the words really fucking matter, and some people, the words really don't, because there's not one box for a community that doesn't exist. And I just appreciated the, like, he expressed very plainly to Jack, like, it makes me dysphoric if you call it this, this, or this. You will call it this, or we will not be, this will not happen. And it, it was just nice. I thought that was really cool. Well, and anyway. most of my experience reading, um, like, trans protagonists have been in fan fiction. And this is honestly better described and better written and better like the sex scenes the terminology the like characters communicating is better than any of the fan fiction i'd read in regards to that like i learned so much more than i already knew because i already knew a fair amount but like i was like i am as as roxy said i am learning um through these sex scenes and i just I, I thought that was really well done. And that's why the fan fiction I'm bringing today doesn't actually have a trans mass protagonist. Because I didn't think there was necessarily anything better I could bring on that front in that regard. Because this does such a fantastic job. But it, it's the story that I immediately thought of when I saw the summary for this book. So Now, before I, I talk about the epilogue, is there anything else we want to I think I've covered discuss. everything I want to say beyond before that epilogue. I think I've yeah. talked about it all. I think I'm good. I'm so sorry I keep bouncing around like a crazy person, but I'm here. So, the epilogue is very short and sweet. Uh, we come across a scene where they're celebrating Nate's birthday. Both sets of parents are there. Daughter's there. Her boyfriend's there. They're in a little garden, and they're having cake. And it's just a beautiful, nice setting. Of course, Jack's parents are a bit stiff at moments, but they are genuinely trying and their hearts do seem to be in good places, which is a good start. And they've rented a house, made it their own. It's very sweet. And we end the book with a double proposal, which is just so cavity-inducingly adorable. It is um, so adorable. Well, and one of the things that happens before 
the proposal is the gift that the family gives Nate on his birthday That's right. is the photo frames and the oh photos like there's three different sets of frames the first frame is um basically Jack and Nate when they were younger um and in their teenage years all the photos are picked so that they're all ones where Nate looks androgynous or male like they're carefully chosen because Jack always looked more androgynous and male except for when or I mean Nate always looked androgynous or male except for when he was forced to wear dresses for special occasions so like they're all ones that like Nate would approve of like representations of himself that he likes yeah gender affirming yeah gender affirming ones. representation photos of their younger years of them together and then the second frame is basically Cass uh, and Nate. Um, it is, you know, when Cass was born. It is Cass as a child. It is Cass, Nate, and Jack all together. Like, it is, like, showing their family and how it came to be. And then the very last frame is basically empty. And it says, you might not want to put this one up yet because it's a work in progress, Jack said. He paused for a moment and then continued huskily. We're only just starting our life together. I'm looking forward to seeing what moments we have captured to fill the rest of it. Which was just so sweet. Like, that that was the birthday gift. And then we get to that double proposal. And they both try and propose at the same fucking time. And so <laughs> it is adorable. So it's so... I was, like, awing through this entire thing. And, like... They're both confused by the other trying to propose at the same time that they're proposing. <laughs> and then here we get this. <laughs> Here's Nate. How about we both kneel down because I think we're on the same page. Nate reached into his back pocket and pulled out the almost identical black box, way more smoothly, smoothly than Jack. He popped it open to show the ring inside and held it out in his palm. He tried to hold back the grin, watching as the shocked realization dawned on Jack's face. But I was going to... But you... What the fuck? <laughs> Jack gaped, clearly suffering the same mental struggle that Nate had been working through moments ago. Taking advantage of Jack being lost for words, Nate, for Nate forged ahead with the speech he prepared. Jack, I loved you half a lifetime ago, and I never thought I could have you the way I wanted. Now I found you again. I want you in my life forever. Will you marry me? Nate's voice cracked on the last word as emotion made him well up. Jack's eyes were filled with tears too. Yes, it came out as a hoarse croak and he nodded emphatically, as though to make up for his lack of volume. Yes, I will. A tear escaped and he wiped his eyes with his free hand, half laughing as well as crying. My turn. Jack opened the box he was holding and showed Nate the ring he'd chosen. Nate, we grew up together and you were my best friend in the world. But I never thought we could be more. But now I can no longer imagine my life without you in it. Please, Nate, will you do me the honor of being my husband? Nate had lost his battle with tears again and they flowed down his cheeks as he nodded. Yes, he sniffed unattractively. I want that more than anything. And it's just such, like, a stupidly cute, like, they're both trying to propose at the same time, and they're both confused at what the other is doing. <laughs> and then they both have their prepared statements. <laughs> it's just it's so, so cute. cute. It's so cute. It's good schlock. It is. And then, want me to get to the, I have the very last lines of the book if we're ready for that. I'm ready. Yep. There's so much to look forward to. Jack wrapped his arm around Nate and kissed the top of his head. There really is. Nate's heart was so full he thought it might burst. He smiled up at Jack. I'm the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> and that's the end. And they lived happily ever after with their daughter. It's such a sweet <laughs> book. I, this was a good book. I just this book. was a good read. It wasn't long. You can easily finish it in a day. And it offers a very unique perspective. I really enjoyed it. 
I really enjoyed Second Chance. It it really did feel like a nice warm hug, you know, like there had to be conflict, of course, so not everything could be sun, sunshine and roses. But at the end of the day, everything turns out okay, and I assume they have more discussions in between the apology and the epilogue at the end. It was really nice. I feel like we needed this after the last two books. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we needed this palate cleanser. Oh. A palate cleanser of a book. If you're looking for something nice and warm and cozy and you want to learn about what it's like to be trans mask and if you want to read a book set in the UK, like, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good book. I really enjoyed it. All right, it, it is time to rate this book, mams. So, Roxy. What is your, on a scale of one to five mams? It's hard because I want to give it more than four out of five. But I felt that the story could have been developed more. I felt it could have been more complex, more richer. I I feel like it was so good, but I wanted it to be even better because it was good. Uh, and the premise was so genuine and authentic and just delightful. I give it four out of five, not because it deserves one less star, but because I feel like it could have easily been a five out of five. What about you, Andy? I give it a four out of five. I just think that's where it, where it fits. It's not the best thing I've ever read, but it's not the worst thing I've ever read. Uh, it's very middling, but it's it's good middling. So it's not a three, it's a four. I would have to agree. I'm putting this at a four on my scale um, because I wish some things had been done differently. I wish we had more time with Nate, Nate's family. I feel like this definitely did fall into the fan fiction tropiness of we're only really focusing on the romance, which, you know, leads to the book feeling a little bit flat in that regard. But the characters are great. I lo- I liked them all. You, I mean, other than the ones you're not really supposed to like, like Jack's parents, like you're not really supposed to like them. You're supposed to be like at the end, like, but well, they're them. trying, yeah. you know, but like, you know, the characters were likable. The story was well written for the most part. Um, the characters had really good communication, which was fantastic. I love to see it. And I just, I, I, I would recommend this book. Um, I'm not going to say, I won't, when I recommend this book, I'm not going to say it's going to blow your mind. But I am going to say, if you want something soft, if you want something cozy, if you want something that leaves you feeling good at the end, read Second Chance. It's Mm -hmm. sweet. It's a quick read. And you're going to come out of it knowing a lot more, most likely, unless you're already trans, then maybe you won't. You'll be like, yes, I know. (laughs) <laughs> you could utilize it as a tool yeah. for trying to share, you know, your own experience. Yeah, maybe give it to a friend. You know, you're probably going to come out of it learning something. You're going to come out of it feeling good. And you're going to just really appreciate a book that, for the most part, everything's just okay. Yeah. It's okay. And the world's on fire, but this book is good. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to trauma bond with our dicks. <laughs> the episode name it is. is trauma bonding with our dick. Yeah, I liked our cum though. <laughs> I bet you did. Hey. It, it's either trauma bonding with our dicks or uh, Canada, United States, Mexico in parentheses cum. Um, I feel like trauma bonding with our dicks is more relevant though. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Do we want to get into our fan fictions or do you want your tingler first? I think I think we've been tingling first. We have. We've, we've flopped back and forth. We've flopped back and forth. So we can go either. First episode, we tingled after. 
Of course we can go either. We're all three. Yeah, exactly. Hey, That's why the tingler yo. moves, because we're all bisexual. Um, uh, so do you, do you want your tingler? Um, or do you want your, your fan fiction? Surprise me. Oh, baby. What about you, Andy? And cry. I'm good, whatever. We'll do a tingler. Uh, we'll, we'll tingle. Um, we'll tingle, tingle together. Let's tingle. Okay. Well, we didn't take a tinkle break, so we need a tingle break. Yeah, we need a tingle break because we didn't tingle. Um, <laughs> so, honestly, I chose this one just because I love the title. I'm just going to throw this out there. Once you hear the title, you're going to be like, amazing. It. I untie the ropes and climb into my boat, casting off. We both know there may, ne- there may never be a next time, but we pretend convincingly nonetheless. Now I'm drifting farther and farther away from the shore, and while I expect my anxieties regarding the modern world to drift away as well, they appear to stay exactly where they started. Give it time, I think to myself. I set a course from my tiny island and then watched the seemingly endless horizon before me, happy to be on my way. Behind, Largo continues to wave until he's nothing more than a tiny pinprint, pinpoint in the distance. I take in a deep breath. The sea air fills my lungs with a natural sense of rejuvenation. Out here, none of my doubts or worries will be able to find me. Out here, it's just me and the ocean. Not another soul for miles and miles. I begin to hum a song, just making up as I go, while the ship drifts onward. Every second taking me farther and farther away from the mainland, from economic collapse or nuclear annihilation. Soon the minutes turn into hours, the sun moving farther and farther across the sky until it eventually begins its descent towards the horizon line, changing the color of the surrounding blue to a blossoming red and violet. It's a beautiful sight, but in this moment, I wonder, I can't help to notice something strange in the water. I rub my eyes and look again, trying to make out the shape that bobs gently in the waves, just some forty yards off the front of my boat. I'm miles and miles from the land in any direction, but it's still quite possible. This could be nothing more than a floating log. So there's something about the object that gives me pause. An unusual angularity that seems nothing short of unnatural. Closer and closer I get, until I'm right upon the object, looking down over the side of the boat with great concern. Hey there comes a relaxed voice. The figure in the water is now in full view, revealing himself to be the word okay in huge, well-defined letters. The word is wearing a pair of sunglasses and sipping on a tall glass of chocolate milk as he lays out on an inner tube, half submerged in the icy waters of the deep, deep ocean. Oh my god, I stammer. Are, Are you okay? How long have you been out here? This excerpt is from My Butt is Comforted by the Realization that I'm Okay and Everything Will Be Alright, which is a message we all need to hear sometimes. Looking for the sexy bits? Well, those secrets are Chuck's and not ours, and we don't kiss and tell. You can find this book on Amazon and Kindle for $2.99. That, that's, that's the tingler. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to marry me. <laughs> I'm already married. Fuck. <laughs> We're gonna have to do a Mormon thing. Okay, we'll talk about that in June. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, do, do, you see, do you see why I chose it for this one now? Like, yeah. you see what I did even there? On, yeah. yeah, we got it. We got it. Even we unsettled got, Lola it. in the background. Yeah. So our fan fiction that we've chosen. <laughs> Who wants to do their fanfic first? I'll go. <laughs> There's been like a reboot of Voltron, and I think the show is really freaking cute. Yada, yada, yada. I don't have a specific, specific fan fiction, but there is a character who I will fight, I swear is Trans Mask. Uh, their name is Pidge. Uh, they're, they're in the show. It's not confirmed, but I swear. Any fan fiction involving Pidge is Trans Mask. If you just look it up, AO3, so many of them. And I highly recommend it. Um, it's not canon, but. But it is. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck canon. 
Yeah. Fuck cannon. We ride our we ride our own ship into the destiny. So yeah, that's my advice, kids. What about you, Adults, Andy? Please no kids. So I have a very particular fanfic I've been dying to bring to you guys, and it's actually not Baluigi, unfortunately for me. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's not Baluigi. I could have swore it was going to be because you were excited about this one. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Transmask Luigi online. There is a lot of Transmask Luigi. It's very interesting, and I like that development for his character. But no, this is actually an Ace Attorney one. Ace Attorney. Ace Attorney. (laughs) And it made me... Okay, so I have a couple of rules in life. Number one is pay your taxes on time. Number two, never trust a fart. Number three, never read an uncompleted fan fiction. Those are my three rules, okay? Three rules to live by, by Andy. Uh, yeah, this and... This feels very Ron <laughs> Thank you. Listen up, nope. <laughs> Thank you. I saw art for this fan fiction, and I was like, God fucking damn it. It's not even... The author does not even have the end chapter number. It is... Tw- 12 chapters out of question mark and i never fucking do this and i've been i've been waiting for an update since march don't fucking do this do not do this to yourself however if you love hurting yourself there's a fanfic (laughs) based in the ace attorney universe that is apollo justice and clavier gavin okay and it is a trans mask character and a non-binary character Essentially, Apollo is the trans-masked gentleman, and he wants to use the gym, but his gym is under construction. And his friend, Clavier, who is, like, his opposite, like, his main, like, everyone has, like, a rival, it's, like, his main rival. And he has a, access to a private gym through his apartment building, but they would need to be, like, dating. Quick question. Apollo yes. Justice is the one who has the superpower to see when people are lying, correct? Yes. Okay. Correct. He's the little devil horn guy. Short king. Anyway, (laughs) so they make a deal where Apollo gets access to Clavier's gym, but Clavier's a rock star and a lawyer, and this universe is fucking crazy. But he is like, okay, pretend to be my boyfriend so people are like, chill, and I'll let you use my gym. And they are so respectful to each other, and they're both pining. There's a lot of pining but there's a lot of, like, they're both touch-starved, but they're very, like, considerate. Like, there's at one point in the fanfiction where Clavier uses a towel to help Apollo stretch after working out because he's afraid he's uncomfortable with skin-to-skin contact. Like, it's just so nice. It's just, it's so good. And it made me think of this because I'm just like, yes, yes. Oh, that sounds so cute. What is, I like that. What is the name of this? Where can, what, what's the, who's the author? So on AO3, the name of the stick is The Things We Do for Gym Access. Now, you do have to have an AO3 account to access this, but it's by Queenie the Chu. irony. I know, right? Sorry. <laughs> the summary, I'll read you the summary and the author's note. When Apollo's gym is closed for renovations, he becomes high-strung, pissed off, and desperate to find a new place that doesn't suck to work out at in the meantime. Clavier has a solution. Date him so Apollo can be his plus one at his condominium's private gym. In parentheses, the author's note. In all caps. This work becomes explicit and it isn't really skippable. Sorry, this was written because trans masks deserve good smut. (laughs) You know what? Fucking get it. Fucking get it. So, yes, that it's it's a T for T fic and it made me very happy. I, that sounds really fun. I know, I know almost nothing about that universe other than Apollo Justice has a superpower where he, he can see when people are lying. That's the only thing I know. Um, but that sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. 
I have a question. How do you spell the author's name? Q-U-E-E-N-Y-C-H-U. Queenie Chu. Adorable. Mm -hmm. So mine fan fiction is much less adorable. Um, (laughs) What have you done? What have you done? Uh, This fan fiction is called The Firing Line by the pinup chemist on AO3, and that's without any spaces. I read this early on in my Bucky Barnes obsession. He is my blurbo. But reading Second Chance and even just reading the summary reminded me of the story. It's been like a super long time since I've read this, but I remember enjoying it. Um, as a quick warning to anybody who goes out and reads this, the story does contain attempted suicide, alcohol abuse, and an unreliable narrator. Please heed the warning as on AO3 before reading. Um, everything is warned, but, you know, it, it it is kind of dark. Whereas Second Chance is very much a story of, like, respect and talking to each other. <laughs> um, I'm scared, Curran. I'm getting scared. The firing line is very much, like, the same setup. But, like, instead of they starting with friends with benefits, they're enemies with benefits. <laughs> because they used to be best friends. Uh, in this case, Steve and Bucky, that's who we're talking about. They used to be best friends. But then one of them, like, they slept together once. And then the other stopped talking to one of them. And, it, like, created this rift between them where they both thought they fucked everything up royally. And so now they hate each other. But then they both come back to town Steve comes back because his mom has cancer and uh, Bucky is back because uh, he is currently struggling with alcoholism and they meet up at their old clubhouse that they had made in the woods. They almost immediately start fucking specifically because (laughs) Bucky's character is like, you're angry. I'm crazy. We both feel better if we fucked about it. But also I could see two people doing this. So it's like, it's not unrealistic. Like people are ridiculous. And so- You could go to therapy or you could just fuck about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like that's essentially the story. And you know, they both have real feelings they need to deal with. And you know, they discover that the reason they stopped talking to each other was really a misunderstanding. Like they both slept together and actually really enjoyed it, but they were both afraid of committing and thought the other was mad at them for fucking up their friendship. And like, then they didn't talk to each other for 10 years, you know? They were pigeons. Yeah, they were being huge fucking pigeons about it. But the story, you know, it has a really nice, sweet ending and I'm actually really only going to read the ending, but if you check my notes, I have like, you know, meeting and for the first time, the agreements, friends in parentheses, enemies with benefits, the makeup, so on and so forth. You know, like I have, I've broken this fan fiction down for you, but I'm just going to read the, the little end bit here. I heard you're saying, yep, you've got some pain on your face. Sure do. I'm going to kiss you, Bucky informed him. Steve knocked his shoulder into Buggies. Do it. Time slowed with their mouths together. Steve didn't care for the taste of cigarettes, but he did like the taste of coffee and Bucky. Neither of them fought the kiss or battled one another. They leaned in, not wanting to let go, breathed through their nostrils, desperate to taste each other wholly, afraid to miss a detail. Mud caked their shoes in the bottom of their jeans. The weight of two grown men made the graffitied plywood at their backs groan and shudder. The stink of cigarettes crowded the stiff winter air, broken only by the strain of the coffee and the stench of the still water and old snow. Steve cupped Bucky's cheek in his palm, paint stuck under his fingernails, and drank him in, languid and tender. No more fighting. When they broke apart, they laughed, forehead against forehead. Think we can sneak in a quickie before dinner? Bucky stage whispered. Steve laughed harder. We can sure as hell try, he said. With his hands tucked into a backpack of each other's muddy jeans, Steve and Bucky walked back into town together. And then it's the end, crossed out, with the beginning. And I just... 
Ooh. I'm a sucker for an end. That's the beginning. Let me tell you. I love it. The story is, is good. It, you know, heed the content warnings, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It's called The Firing Line by the Pinup Chemist. No spaces, exactly how you think to spell it. It's an angsty story with a sweet ending. Um, and as soon as I read the summary for this book, I thought of The Firing Line, but I didn't know the name. And so I had to search to find it. I'm like, I have read a story like this. It is so close. What is this? What, I read this three years ago, you know, like... And I found it because AO3 has a fantastic tagging system um, and I was able to locate it. So way to go, AO3. You really pulled one out for me. Honestly, the biggest winners in this podcast are anyone with an AO3 account. Sorry, Roxy. Yeah. You got it. I will accept that you can be wrong sometimes. It's a part of friendship. <laughs> you can just get that AO3 account. It's free. We, we can send you the, the invites if there's still a need to do that. I've got invites to send. Do you want one? I'll send you an invite. Sound like a drug. <laughs> this first one's free, hit? baby. You need a hit. Freaking. <laughs> I'll I'll give you that invitation. I've got plenty to spare. I've been sending out my invitations to just anyone. I'm gonna start twitching. <laughs> <laughs> like my eyes. I thought you already do it. Psychysiren.twitch.tv.com. It's twitch.tv slash. <laughs> oh, that's right. Whatever. <laughs> Um, all right. I think, I think we're done here, ma'ams. So let me, let me read our, our ending. Guess what? Next episode, we're going to be doing, uh, we're doing something special. We're going to be in the same room for a very special session. Can you tell these fine people what we'll be doing, Roxy? Am I reading from a script? You know, you're just talking. Oh, thank God. I didn't have the script pulled up and I was like, oh, fuck. No, just, what are we doing? So, so, uh, oh God, we are going to be reviewing, uh, romantic items online and whatever romantic item the community just really likes our reaction to, uh, within a price point that we agree on, uh, we will purchase. Yes. And we will, we will feature it in some videos. We may put googly eyes on it, depending on what the item is. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a time. Gonna, we're gonna see what the community uh, sends our way. Yeah, so we're gonna be reviewing intimate products. Um, we're gonna be reading. Huh. We're gonna be reading the reviews, gauging what people think of them, and then assuming you know the price point isn't too high, we will purchase. And in theory, the goal is that we will do so once we hit ten patrons. We currently have four, so please keep that in mind. We need six more patrons, but they can be at the dollar level, baby. Uh, we're not. You can take your time. You can. Yeah, you can take your time. Um, but what whatever one once we get to ten patrons. We will buy the intimate item of the community's choice and it'll show up in videos and if it's something appropriate to do so, we'll put googly eyes on it. Maybe we'll give it a cape, you know? We're going to see what it's going to be. <laughs> Quick question. Did I know about this? Yes. And I just wasn't paying attention? Yeah, okay. you just weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, we're I'm doing sorry. this in person. You left the vote up to me <laughs> and fix it. I'm sorry. It's a fantastic fucking idea. <laughs> I, I've been swamped brain this week but yes i wholeheartedly support this thank you yeah that's what we're doing you support it. women's wrongs <laughs> i'm just picturing one that's like a suction cup just hanging out yeah exactly yeah so um yeah that's what, what we're... if you put two of them 
and then put books on it. So it was like, <laughs> so I, books we've done. I want to get one of those placards to make it look like, <laughs> like when you deer hunt and you cut the head off. And you oh, fuck off. off. It's just a camo dick. Oh. Where did it go? Oh God, Pixie, end the episode. <laughs> I'm done. So yeah, that's what we're doing next session. So keep an eye out for that. Looking for hot content and even hotter vibes? Check out our Patreon. You can find it linked on our Twitter, WBTYMPod. You can also find us on Instagram with the same name. We have a Facebook page if you're into that kind of thing. Please follow, rate, and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Tell a friend. Chase down a coworker. We've got so much love to give, and we need your help to spread it. Finally, we'd like to thank Acorns for our theme song. This has been Wham Bam Thank You Man. We hope we left you thoroughly satisfied. Together now, get flirty, and and stay stay dirty. dirty. Bye, everyone. Woo! Woo!